Welcome to Couch Buddies. I'm Kia. And I'm Michelle. And our musical month continues, and Woo-hoo. we are talking about one of it. Oh my God, I love this this movie, this musical. I watched it twice for this recording just because I was enjoying it so much. We are talking about The Producers. The Producers is a 2005 movie remake of a 1967 film. Also, it's from the Broadway version of the 1967 film Mm -hmm. that they did. Um, It stars Nathan Lane, Matthew Broderick, Uma Thurman, Will Ferrell, Gary Beach, Roger Bart. I'm putting John Barrowman in, even though he's only in a small part. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was directed by Susan Stroman, who has not done a lot of film, Mm -hmm. but she directed the Broadway show. Yes. Um, she also directed the Broadway Young Frankenstein, mm-hmm. uh, amongst many other things. Um, now, this was written by two different writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is Thomas Meehan, who uh, also did the stage book for Annie. Yes. Hairspray. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did both of the, sta- the stage books for those. Uh, he wrote the Mel Brooks film To Be or Not To Be. Mm-hmm. He co-wrote Spaceballs <laughs> with okay. the other writer, who is Mel Brooks. Yes. The great, the wonderful, the fantastic Mel mm-hmm. Brooks. Um, Mel Brooks, for those of you who don't know and are completely uneducated about comedy, has been around since the 50s yeah. writing. Uh, he One of his first jobs was on your show of shows, which was mm-hmm. one of the like first kind of variety type programs yeah. um, kind of in the day. I was like to say, got his footing working with like Sid, Sid Caesar. Caesar. Sid Caesar, Caesar yeah. Which is kind of where like Carol Burnett started. It's kind yeah. of like, it's where a lot there's, of like... There's a lot of... Like your show of shows, it was kind of... It was sort of like an American version, like precursor to like the, um, like the Sid and Marty, or not Sid and Marty Croft, but the, um, oh God, I've now just, like, I can see them in my head and I can't think of it, but like what you had over in the UK, which was like the, which led into the precursor to like Monty Python and stuff like that. It all kind of. It's like a sketch show. Yeah. It's yeah. a sketch show. Like, which is what Carol Burnett's show was yes. in the sixties and seventies. Um, cause she actually got the idea to do it from the Sid Caesar stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and he, like, he created the show Get Smart, mm-hmm. which is a be- gorgeous show. If you don't know anything about Get Smart, I will say it is one of the best film remakes of a TV series yes. I've ever seen. Uh, it started originally Don Adams. The new one is got Steve Carell and Anne Hathaway, Hathaway and Dwayne Johnson, um, in one of his earlier film roles. So funny. Like, mm-hmm. I highly recommend the movie. I, I would recommend the TV show, too, because I love the TV show. Because it's basically like a send-up of, like, Mission Impossible-style yes. stuff. He's a, he's an inept thing. But uh, he also wrote Dracula Dead and Loving It with Leslie Nielsen. Which is... What Not, if, yeah. I mean, okay. In terms of, like, some of the lesser Mel Brooks movies, Dracula mm-hmm. Dead and Loving It and Spaceballs are kind of lower mm-hmm. tier for me. Yeah. I, like, they just don't hit is hard because there's the mel brooks movies which are space balls robin Hood men in tights history of the world part one uh uh the producers of course yeah um i'm forgetting like a really famous one my brain blazing saddles blazing saddles thank you that was the other one I, my brain was just not yeah engaging i mean he has he is one of the masters of comedy mm-hmm. and so you have to know that going into this movie that this is all yes. meant for satire and comedy there's no like <laughs> yeah there's because because if you're watching well, this movie expecting it to be a serious like musical no. you're gonna you're gonna have a bad time because you're gonna be like what is wrong with people okay <laughs> yeah but also the thing the other thing that has to be taken into account is that you know mentioning that that this that this musical it's 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 a musical remake of a film yep. that was done in 1967 yes sorry gene wilder and zero mustel yep and and so this was, you know, Mel Brooks 
served in World War II. Yes. And so this was... He, he, he's Jewish. Yes. Which Mel is Brooks important. is Jewish, yes. So he's Jewish. He had family escape Germany. Yes. And so, so this, yeah. this was his attempt, you know, like I was reading trivia and like reading interviews and stuff like that. And like what he was saying was, is like, you can't stand on a soapbox and debate a dictator. Like you, the only way to take mm-hmm. them down is by showing how stupid their ideals are. And so the way to do that is through satire and comedy. Yeah. And so this was his way of kind of giving the middle finger to Hitler. Yeah. And which, so, which like I said, he had family who, I think, I think he may have had family survive the Holocaust. Even. Yeah. But possibly. I know he had, I know he had them escape Germany. Like mm-hmm. Mel Brooks is a fascinating individual. Um, mm-hmm. I, there's, there's a couple of, uh, documentaries about him on HBO max. Mm-hmm. One I haven't read yet, which or watched yet, which is Mel Brooks unwrapped, which is based on like, he, like 30 years of interviews that they've done with him mm-hmm. over the course of time. Well, And, and also, and he's just, just, he's so funny. I, like for me, like the thing because there is something that like I never considered until we started having this conversation is just like the legacy of comedy mm-hmm. in that you know starting with you know Sid Caesar and your show of shows and that leading into you know like Carol Burnett and mm-hmm. the stuff that she did and um and like oh god I'm like who was it on the Carol Burnett show with Tim her? Conway and Tim Corman I couldn't remember Tim Conway yeah um is so that you have them and so they kind of you know spiraled off and, and Dick like, Van Dyke was from that same yeah like, Dick level. you know inspiring like Dick Van Dyke mm-hmm. and and the the notion of because like um while I like while because like while I had pulled this up on IMDb and I was looking at trivia and various things like that IMDb recommends stuff like oh based on this you might also enjoy mm-hmm. this. And so it started recommending, like, Rob Reiner stuff to me. Yeah. And so then... Because like, Carl Reiner he, is one of Mel Brooks's best friends. Like, mm-hmm. like one of the, the... Okay, it's a Carl Reiner documentary about getting old. And I can't mm-hmm. remember what it was called exactly. Something something like 85 and Loving or something like that. Like, yeah. And it literally is him interviewing, like, comedians in their... Like, comedians mm-hmm. and, and stars in their 80s or above. And there's a bit of the two of them just sitting together, two of them and, uh, and, uh, oh man, famous producer did one day at a time did, um, Oh, uh, Norman Lear. Yeah. The three of them vacationed together. Mm-hmm. Like they were, so he's known, so obviously yes. Mel knows Rob pretty well. Yeah. The, because like what I was thinking of, of how, you know, like starting with Sid season and all that and then branch and like that yeah, leads sorry. into Mel Brooks and his friendship with Carl Reiner and how they go back a long ways mm-hmm. That leading into, you know, Rob Reiner starting his career Mm -hmm. doing things, you know, like he was Meathead on All in the Family, which Mm -hmm. was very, like, seminal, like, sitcom. And then that leading, you know, then you have things like... Director Rob Reiner. Director Rob Reiner and, like, his work with, his work with, like, Billy Crystal and Mm -hmm. the work that... The work that Billy did with Robin Williams and Whoopi Goldberg and Rob Reiner doing uh, This is Spinal Tap, which we have, you know, Michael McKeon and Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest goes on from that to do starting his own mockumentaries and then that bringing in people like, you know, Fred Willard and Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy. And it just all going back to like where this started. And like that was something that I started kind of thinking of and just... You know, like plant, like the planting of these seeds and how how they've come to fruition. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just kind of fascinating to me. Well, because see, I've been, I grew up on. I didn't get to watch it regularly because it wasn't like on repeats or whatever. But the Carol Burnett show was like Mama's Family. Actually, probably where I started. I loved Mama's Family. Oh God, me too. Mama's Family is so great. Have you ever watched like the really serious sketch? 
um, that the Carol Burnett show did. It's, it's on YouTube. Um, I forget the title of it. It's the sister's name. Uh, it's mama's mama's daughter, um, who doesn't really have a part in the show. She just visits every once in a while. It's um, like, it's like Eunice or something. Yeah, or, it's yeah. titled that. Like it's just yeah. titled like Eunice, and it is serious. Mm-hmm. Like it is a serious, like dramatic play, mm-hmm. like a twenty minute play of this whole family. And like in that one, because I'm mama's family, you know, the son's a dumbo. In the in this, he's not. He's like a, a Nobel yeah. Pro, like like Pulitzer Prize winning writer and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, like, Daddy dies, and they go through, like, Eunice and Mama going through that. Mm-hmm. And then Mama dies at the end of the sketch. And you have Eunice dealing with that. Yeah. And her complicated relation with her mother. It's phenomenal. Like, I was watching just the other day a sketch from the Carol Burnett show. Mm-hmm. Like, the way they can take comedy and meld it with drama. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of like what we talked about with Starkid. Like, Starkid yeah. is almost like a spiritual, like, further on down, because they do the same things. Mm-hmm. You meld the the heart of the story, because Producers has a heart to the story. Oh, yeah. Um, Blazing Saddles, heart to the story. Yes. Like, there there are definitely, like, there, and there's also, like, History of the World Part 1, which that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, and, you know, and because, it, like, at a certain point, like, Mel Brooks started doing more, like, genre comedies. Yeah. And so that's where you get, you know, Young Frankenstein yeah. and, and Robin Hood Men in Tights. And, you know, Dracula Dead and Loving It. Like, yeah. they're more, you know, they are spoofs on a very specific thing. Yeah. And so, as opposed to the broader idea that you get with the producers and the history of the role part one and yeah. um, and with uh, Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Like, they're more original ideas. They're not a pastiche of something yeah, else. Yeah, Spaceballs is probably the most, Spaceballs and Men in Tights are the most obvious, like, parody yes things that he does because men in tights if you haven't seen it is basically a parody of it's the it's a parody of every robin hood movie but and largely done, but the, okay this is the kevin Rob, okay Rob, robin hood yes it is mostly a parody of 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 the kevin costner uh robin, robin hood, hood. Yeah. however it is so spot on in yeah. its satire mm-hmm. that, like, it reaches forward through time and bitch slaps Robin Hoods that hadn't even been created yet. Accurate. <laughs> Accurate. Someday like, we're going to do a Robin Hood podcast. Yes. And it's going to take, like, five hours. I know. I'm so excited. But bringing that all back, we have Mel Brooks is just this, like, quintessential comic genius yes. in a lot of ways. He's still, like, with it. Mm-hmm. Like, he was on... Um, because it's a show, one of those game shows they brought back to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. I think something is, like that. Yeah, where it's like the, there's three. You have three or four people who are supposedly one of them is telling the truth and the others are liars. Mm-hmm. And you have celebrity panelists guessing. Joel McHale was sitting next to Mel Brooks in mm-hmm. one episode, and I'm just going, "That's <laughs> weird." Like Mel, yeah. Mel Brooks is is Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. Like it's just this yeah. legend. But yeah, it, by the way, the IMDb ratings Oh, yes. This, like, okay, guys, like, we're going to derail a lot yeah. in this episode. This is going to be a three-hour episode. Was, I was surprised about the IMDb ratings. Yeah. Uh, IMDb is 6.3 out of 10. And serviceable. Rotten Tomatoes is 51%. Yeah. And I read why, and I, I understand why, I just don't agree with it. The why is because of how stagey it is. It it feels, a lot of this feels like they took the music, the actual stage musical and put yes. it. Yes. On camera, which I'm fine with. So am I. Like, in this particular it's, instance, especially. And again, it's it's meant to be... <laughs> it's a parody of musicals in a lot it of ways. Is, it is yeah. a parody of musicals, yes. And, like, it's a parody of, like, the kind of Broadway culture, yeah. in a sense. And so, it's it's never meant... It's more, like... 
This is meant to be like a heightened kind of overblown reality. Yes. Like it's, it's intentionally not realistic. And this, you know, this is beca- because inherently musicals are not realistic. Yes. You know, you, you all musicals, even if they are like, even if they are based in like the most hardcore, realistic life and drama, they are still inherently fantastical because people mm-hmm. don't just break out into song. Yep. And, and so, you know, like having things like, you know, fun home and dear Evan Hansen, you know, like, and just like the color purple for Christ's sake. Yeah. Musicals like that, like yet, like they are things that are grounded in like the harsh truths of reality, but they are, you're, they're still made fantastical because they, that's just what musicals inherently are. And so this takes that and it turns up, like, it it turns up the saturation, like, yeah. to a thousand. Yeah. Like, it is dripping, like, with the fantasy of, like, the musical world. Yeah. And, and in a way, you know, like, <clears throat> in a way that you see a lot of, you know, because, like, there are musical episodes of, like, TV shows yeah. that are kind of, like, one-off kind of things. And they're always, they're always a fun one-off. But they never fully, it's, it's more of just, oh, wouldn't it be like weird and quirky if for this episode, our characters burst into song for no reason? Yeah. You have to, you have to, then you have to come up with a plot reason. Yes. And so, you know, it's never really grounded anything, but like this taking it and like rooting it within the, the place that gives us the, you know, the Mm -hmm. musicals and the fantasy and making it like a, a send up of that you know, like a send up of that kind of, uh, that world, like that culture, that Broadway genre, that, that of, Broadway yeah. genre. And, you know, but even still like it, yes, it feels very much like the stage. It feels very stage, but to me, it also harkens back to the, like the Judy Garland, like movie Absolutely. musical, like in places. There, there's a part with definitely a Starin Rogers. Yes. Like, yes, like, yes, yes. I'll call it out when we get to it. But yeah, yeah, it's you know it 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 lends very heavily to those other styles as well. Yeah. And so it's even though like it's about the Broadway culture, like to me, it's it still feels very rooted in the film musical. Yes, and uh, you know of the like I said, like I kept I, I kept thinking of like certain moments in like the Judy Garland A Star Is Born mm-hmm. because some of those set pieces are just like it's just huge and overblown. Yeah, like you you know you have the quiet moments of like you know the man who got away and stuff like that, but there's also like spectacle moments in that. Yeah. And th- this movie is it's a lot of spectacle. Because that mm-hmm. that's what Broadway is. Yep. You know. And sorry, I just, I have so many things to say about this movie. <laughs> I'm just, like, I'm going to, we're constantly derail us, and I apologize. You're not alone. But did did you have more with that's, the ratings? That's or it. The Rotten Tomatoes 51%. That was it. So now you're synopsis. Yeah. The, <laughs> now my tablet is locked. I have to open it again. The, the synopsis is, after putting together another Broadway flop, down on his luck, Max Bialystok teams up with timid accountant Leo Bloom in a get-rich-quick scheme to put on the world's worst show. <laughs> and also kind of, you know, because we always kind of, if it's something we've seen before, we, we kind of give our bona fides with it. Oh, yeah. I, I legitimately cannot remember the first time that I saw this movie. I, I know that I loved it. I can't remember the first time that I saw it. It was when we were in college. However, I remember us making Jared watch it. (laughs) And it, because what it was, it was the, 
it was in the room where we had our film is lit class. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. it, it was, it's, it's that, it was that one room where there was like a DVD player and projector and stuff. Yeah. And we couldn't get, we couldn't get a dorm lounge to watch something because at our college, the dorms were segregated by sex. You could like, men shall not enter women's women shall not enter men's and neither shall they touch. Exactly. So (laughs) if we wanted to do stuff like as a group and have like mixed company, we had to find alternate locations to hang out and do so. You'd have to rent the lounges, like not to pay or anything, but most of the time you have to reserve. Yeah. Yeah. And we couldn't find a free lounge. And so we ended up taking over one of, we ended up taking over the classroom that had like a projector screen and a DVD player and I remember us like sitting in, sitting in this classroom and it, it was me, you, I think it was like Josh was there, um, Anne, Danny, I don't remember what said, but like it was several of us. And this was like, literally like we all came together and we were like, we are making Jared watch this movie. My husband loves this movie. Yeah. And, and the thing that I remember is like, we had to pause it because my friend Jules called me while she was at a Josh Groban concert and oh. we paused the movie because Jules called me during my favorite song so that I could hear it. And we all kind of like everybody huddled around <laughs> and we were like, listened to it on my phone. And then after, like after that we went back to the movie and then once it was over and it, Jared, because Jared was never one who was like, he loved comedy he was never more like he was never really comfortable with like musicals. Yeah. And so that was why we were like, this is both like a great musical and a great comedy. And we were going to make him yeah. watch this. But because he gets antsy during that stuff, he immediately bamfed like as soon as the movie was over and it was just the rest of us. And then Josh said one, it was one of the funniest things I'd ever heard to the point that like I had to like lay down in the hallway. And it was because I was still like on cloud nine after having Jules call me. Uh-huh. And I was saying something to Anne and oh, I it was, Jules was texting me like where she was sitting at the concert. She mainly had a view of, of uh, like, like the back of Grobin the whole time. And she was t- like, she said something about, she had sent me a text message of like, you know, those jeans are tight. He has a nice ass. And I read that out loud to Jules and I just started, and I was, or I read that out loud to Anne and we were all walking down the hallway. And then Josh goes, Josh goes, eh, I don't know, maybe the whole package. And like, I just died. Like I laid down on the floor My in the hallway. Is very comfortable <laughs> in who he is. And has no problem telling you if a man is attractive or not. But literally Josh just like, like, yes, eh, whole package. Sure. And like, I was just fucking gone. Like, like it just, all of that, like wrapped up in the viewing of this movie and how, we would all like we quoted this movie like all the goddamn time. I had the soundtrack for a really long oh, time. Oh, so yeah. so did I. I, I sang movie. along with this whole thing while I was. Oh, watching me too. It, yeah. it um, <laughs> like and even even the like uh, the songs that aren't necessarily included in the movie because there's there's a song King of Broadway. Yep. That every once in a while, like a line from that will pop into my head, which is Uh the, who do you have to fuck to get a break in this stinking town? It pops into my head at random intervals. Like this, like we watched it so much and like, you know, as true as like, I can't remember. I lost count of how many times we would all say, may I take your hat, your coat and your your spasticas. I (laughs) throw my little like hat in the ring. Do you know where I bought the DVD for this? Buster's. 
blockbuster. Mm. It's got the nice little thing in the front. <laughs> because I used to do the like two for 20 or four for 20 yeah. movies. Four for 40, whatever it was, movies. See, I, I bought mine at Buster's. Because yeah. mine, well, mine has the... after somebody lost a movie of mine at Bus- from Buster's, I didn't go back to Buster's because mm-hmm. I didn't want to pay like $40 for the Master Disguise. Yeah. I don't even know what happened to it. I still don't know what happened to it. I still thought I brought it back. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't paying 40 bucks for it. It wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you, you were on the run. So I went to Blockbuster instead. And then Buster's shut down. Yeah. And then obviously now Blockbuster's gone. But while we were there, it was still there because I went for my... Because my, it was my 20th or 21st birthday, mm-hmm. I was working at our school and no one else was there. It was just <laughs> me. Uh, it was the year I moved into uh, the room that I stayed in until graduation. Mm-hmm. So it was my last. It was when I was turning 21. My husband, then boyfriend, had just gotten a job over here. You were you were gone for the summer. Every like every, yeah. I was working the first week, which we had work weeks. It was a whole thing. But no one else was there on campus. Mm-hmm. So I went to Blockbuster and I bought myself four movies. And I think Producers was one of yeah. them. And The Phantom of the Opera. Um, <laughs> a movie called Fat Girls. P-H-A-T. Fat Girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I forgot what the other one was. But yeah, I bought like, I think it was Melinda and Melinda, which I have since sold. <laughs> um, but yeah, I came home. And, like I came back to my dorm room and I just watched movies. Like, that was yeah. what I did. But yeah, The Producers is one that was definitely on rotation in all of our friend group. Um, my husband loves it. I think I've gotten my sister to watch it with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got Will Ferrell, so I can get my sister to watch it with me and Nathan Lane. So she's, but yeah, it's, it's just one of those movies that we have just grabbed onto. I don't know why, like 2005 yeah. is when it came out. So like we were, I was just starting college. I was only a year yeah. into college. It, and so, yeah, it's just, it became this like thing for us and and we both already loved musicals we loved nathan lane we liked matthew broderick yeah and you know t- like to be fair you know our group already had like a love of mel brooks because my god i've lost count of how much we used to quote uh robin hood men in tights it's a fantastic movie i'm it, like again love like that, that was that was another one um that was another one that we quoted all the time um and <laughs> just but yeah like with this one i'm i'm drawing a blank the um um oh the <laughs> i remember i remember like being in the cafeteria and i don't know if it was ann or if it was danny or whatever but like somebody somebody spilled a little bit out of like their cup of water and just the immediately rea- the immediate reaction of the table was like somebody just went what <laughs> i'm like, wet and i'm hysterical like i, it's I just... learned at one point all the words to have and see her that's deutsche man oh me too um i don't think i know them all anymore but i did know them all at one point i yeah like this this whole movie is just the music is great yes which is another really big point in its favor the music mm-hmm. is so good and and then of course they got john barrowman to sing <laughs> the the song for the music for the for the, the yeah the to in, sing ch- the in movie musical yes but yeah, oh, it's so good. The, so we should probably talk about. I it. know. Um, I, I had a point that I was going to make. Oh, sorry. No, I mentioned just meant bringing up John Barrowman. Um, I because I bought because he wrote two memoirs and he mm-hmm. he yeah, yeah. he does he does talk about like about, about working he, on he, this he movie, talks yeah. about he talks about working on it in yeah, one I of them and I meant to we I meant both to have one I think or do you have both of them? I, I have, have both one. of them. I have one and it's in the one I have too. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the the him talking about working with Mel, yeah, on, we're, on this because like yeah. he he has this whole thing of like like him sitting in like the makeup trailer and having his hair dyed that platinum blonde and yeah. all that. And I meant to pull it out and like reread it, and I just I, it was so late by the yeah. time I finished this, I for, I forgot to. But man, I and then, this was my introduction to Roger Bart, who yeah. I friggin' love and adore. Oh my god. Anything he's in, I will at least try to watch. Same. And and it was also like while we were in college that that they did um that young Frankenstein. Like yeah. they they adapted it into a musical yeah. with Roger Bart as as, Frankenstein. Vic, as Victor Frankenstein. And then Megan Mullally as as um Oh my god, as the cat the 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 Madeline Kahn character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the character's name. And Sutton Foster was And then the, and Sutton yeah. Foster was Inga. She played like the yeah. um Terry, what's her name? I don't remember. Oh god, I'm literally I'm blanking on everybody today. <laughs> um but it was so it was so fucking funny. Like I would watch because this was YouTube was in its infancy. Yeah. But somebody had put it was the like Sutton Foster or Foston. Sutton Foster performing um, the Roland Z. Hay number. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the one number that I remember from that musical, and it's so fucking funny. <laughs> it's And so, you know, this was, you know, it's like having, you know, the producers, like, being, oh, I remember the thing that, like, sorry, just a thing that I was going to bring up. Um, Nathan and Matthew, uh, Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick, they originated the Broadway roles. Yes. But, you know, over time, like, you know, there were some, you know, like, people came in and, like, did it of, you know, people, like, replacing them on Broadway. But also when, you know, there were various, um, like, kind of one-off performances in other locations like Vegas or L.A. or something like that. And then they did a, like, a U.K. tour of of the producers. And so I just wanted to point out some of the other like notable people to play some of the various characters, um, playing, um, <laughs> playing the, um, playing Max Bialystok, other notable actors. You had Tony Danza mm-hmm. and, uh, Jason Alexander. <laughs> and then we get a brief moment of him in this movie as the jury foreman, Richard Kind. Yeah. Playing- Richard Kind is, I, I did mention him in my, my notes. I have mixed feelings. I well, love Richard Kind, but he's such a dork. The yeah, um, but then playing Leo Bloom, we had Martin Short. Good lord, with who? Jason Alexander. That's a that is a madhouse. That is madness. I know. I would give anything to go back in time and see that. that. Madness. Um, I didn't know. I I didn't see who um, some of these were performed with. They had just. Um, um, but also Stephen Weber playing playing Bloom. That one got me. He'd be okay. He'd be okay. Alan Ruck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then in the uh, also Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, like and then in the UK, Reese Shearsmith. You, uh, okay, in, um... I know that name. Yes, okay, Good Omens. Uh-huh. He plays Shakespeare. Okay, okay. He's, he's part of the League of Gentlemen with, um, with, uh, Mark Gatiss and some other, some other people. Um, and then, and then one of my other, like, favorite UK comedians, Jason Manford, which I loved that. But then, um, out in one production, stepping in is Ula, Rebecca Romaine. <laughs> yeah, she'd be good. Um... 
in various other productions. Um, uh, Dane Cook as Franz. Yeah, I don't like Dane Cook. But in the UK, I was like, oh, God, I want to go see this one, too. Um, Phil Jupitus played <laughs> played Franz at one point, and then when he left that production, Ross Noble stepped in, and I love both of them. But then this was the one that I went, I'm sorry, what? Several times at Wikipedia, and had like literally checked about three times to see if I was reading it correctly. Um, after at some point um when after gary beach had stepped out of the role of roger debris david hasselhoff that's beautiful and i kind of want to see it it's horrifying i need him in the anastasia costume now <laughs> oh my word i literally was 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 just going i'm sorry what that well, just feels while weird. looking at my phone like i I that don't, does, I literally, like, I was like, I didn't know how to parse that information. That's so funny. But anyway, so, moving, like, I just wanted to throw that out there because I was like, I knew you would appreciate some That's of those. That's so weird. <laughs> so weird. Anyway. All right. So, we open opens with, with, appropriately, opening night. Opening night, yeah. It's opening night and it's Maxie Alsock's latest show. Will it flop or will it go? That was unintentional it's, to quote the song, but it happened. It, yeah. And the um, show is... Funny boy, a musical version of Hamlet. Woof! Just the idea of that is a woof to start with. I know. Um, and it's and so, <laughs> very quickly we get the worst show in town. Like it's it's some of, some of the lyrics. It's Max Bialy has done it again. We can't believe it. You can't conceive it. How did he achieve it? It's the worst show in town. And then this is the line that always fucking yeah, yeah. kills me. Yep. The songs were rotten. The book was stinking. He did to Shakespeare. Booth did to Lincoln. Yep. And I had forgotten that line until I, I was... laugh every. What he did, Shakespeare Booth did to Lincoln, is one of my just favorite lines. Yeah, because I mean, anytime you make a Shakespeare reference, I'm always on board anyway. Yeah, but then to make the reference of you know what happened to Lincoln <laughs> by Booth, what he wow. did to Shakespeare Booth did to Lincoln. Yep, yep. Um, but from from there, we fade into Max Bialystok's office, and he's. Um, we fade into his office as Leopold, like Leo Bloom, who's an accountant for Whitehall and Mark shows yes. up and he's there to do the books. We have one of like, I don't even know how to explain the blanket scene, but like, I, 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 I will exactly, get into it. Yeah, it's not where it um, starts exactly. Cause first you have to do as he's arriving and as he's getting, starting to get settled down, there's a knock on the door and hold me, touch me. One of, one of Max Bialystok's backers arrives. Yes. Cause we learn when Max opens his cupboard Max's backers are all little old ladies that he um, seduces mm -hmm. <laughs> or that use him. However you want to look at that. <laughs> I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. And so he he quickly like sends Leo to the bathroom to let hold me, touch me in. Yeah. And, and I, I love like he, he's like, okay, hold, hold me, touch me, hold me, touch me. And he opens up this armoire and it is full of framed photos of little old ladies and and as he's like like kind of skimming through these photos and like looking for the right one we have kiss me feel me pinch me pinch me lick me bite me suck me fa hold me touch me there she is yep and <laughs> it always makes me laugh um and andrea martin is one of those photos yes cuz she shows up later yeah i like i hate like cuz i watched i watched some of the special features and um and so, originally, um, along came Bialy. It was supposed to have these little vignettes 
of of um of him with women of, of him with the older women and some of the stuff of of him and Andrea Martin is fucking hysterical. Because because, Andrea Martin's hysterical. Because, yes, because we, you know, we've talked about Andrea Martin. She played what was it, Aunt Vula. Yep. In um in yeah, my, my big, big fat Greek wedding. wedding. Yep. She's hysterical, and and also if you watch the outtakes, which I encourage you to. do. Oh yes, yes, yes. I watched the outtakes four fucking times <laughs> after I watched this because they are so goddamn delightful. They so much joy, and also. The outtakes highlight a very important fact for me of because of the chemistry that Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane have with one another is outstanding uh-huh. and they make this ridiculous thing absolutely work. And so when you watch the outtakes, you see just how much fucking fun they have with each other with this True. with this show. And it is just, it is outstanding. Like in the outtakes, there are times like they are both literally like crying with laughter. Mm-hmm. It's glorious. There's a few times in the movie where you can see Matthew trying there, not to break. There are times in the movie, like because um, I was waiting, like I was eating dinner, and so just like while I was eating, I watched the outtakes first because I yeah. remembered. Oh, these I remembered them being pretty good. I rewatched them. And I was like, and I just, I thoroughly enjoyed it. They were so great. And then I started the movie and there are points in the movie where one of them will say something and then it is the fastest hard cut you have ever seen to the other one's face. And I was like, oh God, that had to have been like the only decent shot they got because those fuckers couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. Like it's, it is it's so funny. It is readily apparent. Uh, the other picture, this is just, and she comes up in the actual Bialy number, but Deborah Monk, De- Deborah Monk, yeah, is also in it. Which one of the things I know Deborah Monk for to connect back to something we talked about earlier is she plays Will Schuster's mom in Glee. Oh my god, I forgot that. My like one of my favorite vignettes in all of Glee <laughs> is where she's meeting Josh Groban, and Josh, Josh Groban loves, loves a blousy, blousy alcoholic. alcoholic. <laughs> It has stayed in my life. Like my sister I and I still quote that. the Josh Groban "Hell Club Death Was People's Choice" award. Like, yeah, like we still quote those scenes. But the blousy alcoholic scene, I was like, oh, it's the blousy alcoholic. I know she's done a lot of other stuff, but my brain. Oh yeah, yeah. That she's... that that particular scene just lives in my head, and I love it. <laughs> but yeah, so, so we, we have, have all those people, and then we have his. Well, we have me, touch Mac- me. Yeah, we have Max's role play. Yeah, with with hold me, touch me. The virgin me. milkmaid and the well hung stable, stable boy. boy. Um, and poor Max is so tired. Yeah. He's he's worn out. He doesn't have the energy for this. No. But that little old lady don't care. No. Give it to me, well hung. Uh, give, give it, it to me. me. And as she gets him onto the couch, Leo exits the bathroom and sees Max and the little lady on the couch and gives a little like cry of, of astonishment okay. and fear. <laughs> like the line like in this that says everything to me is like, you know, she the little because he want like she's there to give him a check for you know for the, you know this new play that he's going to produce and so he wants to just cut to the chase and get to the check but she she's like oh no no like let's play one of our dirty little games and so he's like okay and so he suggests you know what was it the um the rabbi and the contortionist the ra- limber mama yeah the, the rabbi and the contortionist the debutante the bricklayer and then that's when 
<laughs> that's when she says, let's play the virgin milkmaid and the wall hung stable boy. And he's just like, you see him like visibly kind of quake. And he's just like, I, I don't think I have the strength. I'll go gentle. I'll <laughs> like, be gentle. I'll, I'm like, I'll, don't worry, I'll be gentle. And, um, but the, you know, everything, like, it progresses to a point, And that's when you said, like, Leo comes out. And, and everything. And he just like cry, like I said, astonishment, maybe fear. Yes. And then and, and and dashes away. back to the bathroom. But he, um, but then finally Max is just, you know, she like, she, hold me, touch me is saying, she's like, S- send me to the moon. Well hung stable boy. He's like, Thursday, I will send you to the moon on Thursday and I might even join you. And, and so she's like, so we get, he finally, like, I haven't get, even had my coffee yet. Yeah. Like, it's like, I, and he, he gets her to, to fork over the check. And this is one of those lines that just always cracked me up. Yep. Of the She tells him, it's like, I made it out like you told me to the title of the play, Cash. It's a funny name for a play, Cash. It's like, so was the Iceman Cometh. See you on Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> and he hustles her out the door. Leo comes out and apologizes for walking in while you were feeling Feel- up the old lady. <laughs> and Max about has like a breakdown of just that sentence. He's like, why did you have to say it like, that do, way? Do you know who I used to be? And this is where Leo tells him, yes, he knows exactly who Max used to be. Because he says, yes, Max Bialystok, the king of Broadway. Might I say, Mr. Bialystok, and please don't take this the wrong way, but you're not just a dirty old man. You're also a great Broadway producer. And there's something about me you should know. When I was a kid, I had the good fortune to be taken to Bialyhoos of 42. And I still have the ticket stub. And ever since, I've had a secret desire to be a Broadway producer. <laughs> secret desire to be a Broadway producer. Keep it a, a secret. secret. Do the books. Just do the books. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, keep it a secret. So he starts to do the books. And then there's, he's like, there's a problem. I need a minute of your time. Okay, a minute. And Max does the thing that a lot of people do of, okay, you've got a minute. Go. And and Leo has an anxiety attack uh-huh. and proceeds to grab this blue handkerchief sort of thing out of his pocket and rub it along his face as he's trying to calm down. And, and he proceeds to just, like, yeah, devolve. This, because Max <laughs> sees this blue, this, this blue fabric and says, what is that, a handkerchief? It's nothing. Well, if it's nothing, then why can't I see it? And he, he grabs the fabric to which Leo stands up. And this is... One of my favorite scenes, this and the last, because it is pure chaos and pandemonium, and I love it so yeah. much. Also, this is the moment where you know Matthew Broderick has a child. Like, yeah. you can tell he has raised toddlers <laughs> in this moment. Because Leo, Leo stands up and just starts screaming, my blanket, my blue blanket, give me my blue blanket. Ah! <laughs> and looking never more like a toddler I know. a temper Give me my blanket, like... give it to me, give it to me, give me my blanket. And Max is just absolutely horrified. Like, shell-shocked and terrified. Like, what is happening? Give, hands him, like, very calmly, like, hands him the blanket. He's like, I, I, I don't like anybody touching my blue blanket. It's, it's not just, a, it's it's, it's it's minor not important. compulsion. It's a minor compulsion. As he has the blanket, like, wrapped around his ears and he's rubbing his ears. And, like, it's under ears. his chin. Yeah, and, and he's like, rubbing his ears to calm himself down with the blanket. It's so fucking funny. It's like, I can, I can deal with it if I want to, but I've had it ever since I was a baby. And I find it very comforting. And then he immediately just falls to the floor. <laughs> As he's like, yeah. And then, so, naturally, Max, like, <laughs> hovers over him. Like, <laughs> Max, like, steps over and is kind of like... What's the word? He's, um, like his legs are like, are on either side. Yeah, and all of a sudden, 
once again, Leo melts down again. This, because I just remember, this is the other line that specifically, like, Danny and I would quote quite frequently. Are you gonna jump on me? Yeah. Like, Max is standing over Leo, and Leo, like, just lets out another one of these, like, primal screams. You're gonna jump on me! I'm not gonna jump. You're gonna gonna jump jump on on me! me. You're gonna jump on me and squash me like a bug! And then it's just, like, more screaming and, and Max, running. Max is like, I'm not going to jump on you, as he jumps up and down above it. It's... And finally, Leo, like, rolls away and gets up and is, like, in the corner, like, crying and having... I'm hysterical! And so, so you know, Max knows what to do with this. He gets a, bo- a, a glass of water, water, throws at him. I'm hysterical! Ooh. And like, I'm, I'm wet! I'm wet! And I'm still I'm... hysterical! And, and then, so, so Max slaps him. I'm, I'm in, in pain. I, I'm in pain. I'm in pain. I'm wet. And I'm still hysterical. <laughs> it's the gibberish that gets me. And then, so finally, he's like, what can I do? What can I do? It's like, just, just go, go over there. Get away. You're too close. You're too close. Now, just be nice. And smut. You still look angry. <laughs> and so, like, Nathan Lane gives us, like, like this big like grin like who's my who's my little account who's my little account and once again i say this man has definitely raised toddlers as as you see like (laughs) leo like very like wobbly walk across toward the yeah like he's like i'm your accountant me and then he like finally like regains Mm -hmm. his composure oh thank you for smiling that helped a great deal and he's back to normal yeah and and you can see bialystok is just like smile and the world smiles with you and he looks at a bust of shakespeare this man should be in a straitjacket like (laughs) that moment has always like just oh i know oh god but then and this so then is Max discovered a small error. Leo. Or, that's what I mean. Leo has he's discovered. Books, yeah. yeah, he's discovered a bookkeeping error because Max, he raised $100,000 from his backers, but the show only cost $98,000, leaving $2,000 in accounted for. And so Max is like, I went to a Turkish spa, like just, you know, to a Turkish bath. He's like, you know, it's like, it, but you know, what does it matter? It's like, it's $2,000. You know, the show was a flop. And just move some, yeah, move just some just move some things around. And- That's like, and so this is where Leo says that's cheating, and Max tells him like it's not cheating, it's charity. Bloom, you see this stick pin, and he points to what he has in his in his cravat, and he says, "says it once held a pearl as big as your eye. I used to wear handmade Italian shoes, five hundred dollar suits. Look at me now, I'm wearing a cardboard belt." And he takes the belt off and proceeds to rip it up. Yeah, he's like Bloom, and you gotta save, but you gotta save me. I'm reaching out to you. Don't send me to prison. Help me! And he just begins crying. <laughs> and so finally Leo comes in and he's just like, okay, it's like $2,000, you know, it, it isn't all that much. I'm sure I can hide it somewhere. You know, the IRS isn't interested in a show that flopped. And then, so so Leo, or not Leo, Max lays down the couch and lets, lets uh, Leo. Leo get to work. Although it, it, he did first find the accountant and he was like, yeah, uh, Mr. Bialystok, yes, Prince Mishkin. Like, he was like, please don't panic again. I love it. But so he finally, then we get the plot of the show, essentially, yes. where Leo says, you know, a person could make more money with a flop than with a hit. So this, you know, Leo says, you know, yes, it's possible. Like, if he were certain that a show would fail, a man could make a fortune. And Max really wants the details. And and you so keep saying that, but she'll say how. Yeah, and so finally Leo explains, like it's simply a matter of creative counting. Let's assume for a moment that you're a dishonest man. Assume away. <laughs> we 
when you produced your last show, Funny Boy, you raised $2,000 more than you needed. But you could have raised a million, put on your $100,000 flop, and kept the rest. What if my show was a hit? Then you'd go to jail. You see, rather than 100% of the show, you would have sold more than 1,000%. So if the show's a success, there's no way to pay off the backers. Get it? Got it. So in order for our scheme to work, we'd have to find a surefire flop. And this is like, scheme? Like, what? What scheme? I merely posed a little accounting theory. Yeah. And then this is where we get, he's like, and we kind of the introduction to, to the song, we can do it because Max says, you know, the idea for this scheme, step one, we find the worst play ever written. Step two, we hire the worst director in town. Step three, I raise $2 million. One for me, one for you. There's a lot of little old ladies out there. Step four, we hire the worst actors in New York and open on Broadway. And before you can say step five, we close on Broadway, take our $2 million and, and go, go to Rio. <laughs> and this is where we get the song, We Can Do It. Um, and Leo is, once again, timid. Yes. So, um, yeah, and so, you know, like, Max is saying, you know, like, this, you know, this is... This your- song, by the way, is the one where I thought Matthew Broderick was, like, trying not to bust out as they're walking down the street by Sardis. Yes. Like, um, like his, like his just like thin lipped, like trying to keep it together. It it happens several times in this movie. Yep. And and you know Max is like you know telling him you know this this is your chance like you can be like the producer that you always wanted to be and you know, and like offering him his dreams and then we get Leo's verse and Leo says what do I say the chance to be a Broadway producer what do I say the chance to make all my dreams come true sir what do I say what do I say here's what I say to you sir. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. That's not me. I'm a loser. I'm a coward. I'm a chicken. Don't you see? When it comes to wooing women, there's a few things that I lack. Beautiful girls wearing nothing but pearls, chasing me, embracing me. I'd have an attack. And he's uh, he's already got the blue blanket in his hand. <laughs> like, and and then, then this, and Max chases him into a taxi. Th- this is the other line in this that that absolutely it always kills me because Max tells him he's like don't. Don't you want to become a butterfly? Don't you want to spread your wings and flap your way to glory? No! no! <laughs> As this like almost triumphant note, and he's like, no, and he rushes and into the taxi. Mr. Bialystok, I'm afraid you've made a terrible error in judgment. You've mistaken me for someone with a spine. <laughs> <laughs> and they make their way to Central Park because Leo needs to breathe. Yeah. And they get out in front of the fountain at Central Park. The Bethesda and, fountain, yeah. And finally, Leo, like, breaks off with Max. He's like, I can't do it. I'm going back to work. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. And Max falls to his knees and begins to pray. He's like, Lord, I want that money! And Max <laughs> Max is left on his knees in front of the, the fountain. <laughs> Pray, and praying for, for this. To John Lovitz as Mr. Marx at Whitehall and Marx as Leo gets to work. Yeah. And I love the like the way that they do the the tapping in this. Oh, it's uh, it's, it's great. It's a room of accountants on their on their adding machine. And yes, so you get you get the like the beat of of unhappy, where we're about to go. Unhappy, unhappy, very, 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 very yeah, happy. It, yeah, it's yeah. it like it. Yeah, it's just it's more of like there. There's a an interesting rhythm to yeah. it, but like to like the syncopation of the song. But it's yeah, it's like the the addition of like the clacks and the chings of like the adding machines. It's, oh, it's so good. It's really good. And, but and so, I like love it. Yells at him. He goes, I'm a CPA. I, yeah. You're just a PA. I, I did like, cause I had forgotten about this song because it's, it's kind of, it's the setup for, for I want to be a producer. producer. Yeah. And I, I had kind of forgotten that. 
But when it came on, I just had this like visceral, like gut reaction to it. And I suddenly remembered working in the mail room with Danny and us <laughs> and because, like, you know, we mo- we mainly, like, certain times a year, we were stuffing envelopes for, like, mail-outs for, yeah. to get donations to our private college. Other times, we were doing data entry and just, like, entering in, like, the names and addresses of people who had come on a tour. And I just remember, like, pretty, like any time there was any, like, minor inconvenience in my life... Um, I would sing this, but also I just, I vividly remember like Danny and I sitting at the computers and mail ops and just like typing in this stuff and going, unhappy, unhappy, very unhappy. It's just like I said, I had forgotten all about the song. And then as soon as I heard the first note, it was just like a visceral gut punch. (laughs) But so Lovitz, as Mr. Marks, like reams into Leo for being two minutes late and Sit, and Leo sits down, puts his pencil away, and like begins to to work, and you know goes to put a file away. And, and as he's doing it, he's singing like the the opening refrain, the opening like verse of of I Want to Be a Producer. But it's to that unhappy beat yeah. still. And as he puts the file in, the music shifts and mm-hmm. changes, and beautiful girls wearing nothing but pearls begin to exit the yeah. the different cabinets in the room. Yeah. And we go into a full-blown Broadway review number. Yes. And, and you know, we have, you know, like, yeah. it's starting off of, you know, I want to be a producer and sleep until half past two. Yeah. I want to be a producer and say, you, 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 not, not you. you. <laughs> and, um... And it, like I, I didn't really take notes on this because a lot of it is just it's the spectacle. Yeah, it's a spectacle and, number. We get some gorgeous tapping by Broderick. Oh, yeah, it's. Um, but basically, by the end of the song, all that really needs to be said is by the end of the song, he is now ready the, the, to go. The line that gets me, and this okay, this is the thing about this is the thing about Matthew Broderick in this role that I appreciate. It's like because the thing about Matthew Broderick, like I like. I'm trying to think of the way to phrase this. Because, like, I know, like, you know, he had a lot of movies, like, where he was, like, well, he was really popular, like, when he was young. And then uh-huh. he just kind of faded away for a while. Yeah. And so this movie, it was sort of, like, he hadn't really done much in a while. Yeah. And, you know, like, other than, like, he had done, like, Godzilla, maybe, like, five, six years before. And that was kind of a kind of yeah. movie. And, and so, like, you know, he had been doing Broadway and stuff like that. And so coming into this... There is such like an earnestness that he has always had. Yeah. And in and so like at the tail end of this song, like the last line of it is is he's very like wistfully saying like singing to himself. He sings the line, I wanna be a producer because it's everything I'm not. Mm-hmm. And it hits hard mm-hmm. because again, like he and and you know, like Nathan Lane does it too, and like and I'll I'll get to it in some other places, mm-hmm. but it just these very like quiet moments because like for all that he that 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 bloom is this this kind of like anxious neurotic like maniac in places there is still like there's just this like quiet like earnestness about him that matthew Mm -hmm. broderick like really sells and it's it's part of that like dichotomy between bloom and bialystok that it, they why they work so yeah, well Bialystok together. Yeah, is jaded and Bloom is not. Yes. Yeah. And and then he, as he says that line, he all of a sudden goes, wait, 
Mr. Bialystok was right. There is a whole lot more to me than there is to me. And he stands up and yells, stop the world. I want to get on, which I think is another really great line. I love it. And about that time, Lovitz comes back in. And as Mr. Marks in there, you know, he's like, you've already had your bathroom break, Bloom. And Bloom's like, you know, I'm not taking a bathroom break. I quit. And you are a CPA, a certified public asshole. And the entire room erupts in a cheer. And then he leaves. Like he, yep. he goes. Here's my 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 hat, my Dixon Ticonderoga two pencil, and my big finish. And he jumps on the table and begins singing. And the girls that were only his imagination mm-hmm. appear around him, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the whole room is just aghast. Yeah. And Lovitz gets his uh, big cigar smashed. Yes. Does Lovitz have a role where he doesn't have a big cigar? I think it may just be in his... Like, even yes. if he doesn't have it, I picture it. <laughs> City Slickers too, No cigar. But I still picture it. Like, when you... like That that character? No. <laughs> okay, that's fair. But it's just... When I hear Lovitz's voice, that's, yeah. I picture him like he is in this movie. And in, like, A League of Their Own. Yeah. He's got that big old cigar. But Ernie anyway. Cappadino. Yeah. But yeah, so he... He, Leo rushes back to Max's side. It is now evening, and Max is still knelt in front of the the fountain. When, and we go into a "We can do it." I want to be a producer mashup. That yeah, is just gorgeous. the The moment where like Max runs up, or not Max, but Leo runs up to Max and tells him, "Like, no, like I've changed my mind," and just that, like, kind of under his breath, like Max looking skyward, just like. You're good. <laughs> yeah. Who are you like, talking or, to? Like, or, old friend. Yeah, it's like or it's like either like you're good or like you work fast or something. I can't remember what yeah. it is he actually says, but it's so great. But then we have it's the search for the worst play ever written. And and it's and they search all night through all of like these stacks and Leo is getting you know cynical about it. He's like, we're never going to find it. And, and then like you have you have Max open a play. The, and he reads the first line, which is like it's uh, it's the first it's the metamorphosis. He yeah. reads Gregor Samso woke one morning to discover that he'd been transformed into a giant cockroach. Too nah, good. too good, too good. And throws it to the side. <laughs> and then like Leo's like, we're never going to find it. You know, as he is for the second time reading one called The Frosted Glass. And then Leo starts, or Max just starts laughing. We'll never find it. We'll never find it, he says. And he shows Max, the, or he shows Leo the play. It's like, see it, smell it, touch, touch it, it, kiss, kiss it. it. It's like, it's the mother load. It's a catastrophe, a disaster, certain to offend peoples of all races, creeds, and religions, a guaranteed to close in one night beauty. And he hands it to Leo. And Leo opens it up and reads the title page. And he's like, springtime for Hitler. A gay romp with Ava and Adolf at Berchtesgaden. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, there is a there is a beat that it takes to sink in. And that beat followed by the, oh, my God, is glorious. And he's like, Max, this is, uh, I forget exactly what he says. And Max goes, no, 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 this, pay, this play has to close on page four. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Where does it say the the author's from? Franz Liebkind, and he has an address in New York. Yeah. So they head over to Franz Liebkind's, who is played by Will Ferrell. Now, in I'm going to be honest, pretty bluntly honest. I hold am, up before we get into this yeah. thing about Will Ferrell. I want to point out one thing yes. that does play in a couple of other points in the movie is that as they are on their way to leave to go see Franz Liebkind, mm-hmm. um, Max has an extra. Hat. hat yes and leo asks like oh well you know since i'm a producer now can i wear this extra hat and max tells him no like because you haven't had a show yet like you, you now haven't had a show open on broadway. you haven't had a show open on broadway like you are not a producer yet 
And and so he won't let him wear the hat. This does come back in a couple of places. So yeah. then, yeah, this is where um, and, they go to see Franz Liebknecht. And I, bluntly, don't generally <clears throat> enjoy Will Ferrell. There Same. are There are movies, that, Stranger Than Fiction is one of the movies I enjoy him in. Uh, there's a few like when he's playing like a straight a straight man role. I actually really enjoy that, mm-hmm. and I don't mean straight like sexuality. I mean like comedy straight. Yeah, <laughs> like with, with that really clear. <clears throat> when he's like the straight man, mm-hmm. I generally enjoy him more. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like like the Jim Carrey on Liar or in a uh, in the Truman Show. That's one of my favorite mm-hmm. Jim Carrey performances because there's such sincerity to it. Yes, and but this is what but but Will Ferrell in small doses. I'm, I can I'm the, take I'm a ex- lot. I'm exactly lot the same way because, like, I can't so, take like Anchorman and Step Brothers. They, they're not. For yeah, me. that's what I was gonna put. Like, I can like small doses of Will Ferrell comedy. Yeah, like I'm because some, an SNL sketch. I'm like good. <laughs> literally, I was like SNL sketches are some of my favorites. Yeah, and like the the like more cowbell like oh yeah is is fucking hysterical. Oh yeah, the um uh the one like where he. <laughs> Garth Brooks was the guest and he plays the devil who comes to like that I can't remember the name but then all will like Will Ferrell is the devil who's come to like give like give him like the guitar skills or whatever and he's like terrible at the guitar <laughs> and so finally Garth Brooks is just like I, I no I'll I'll keep working hard it's okay <laughs> um but and then also the one that like we used like that we used to quote most frequently like there between me and Jared there was the nature goulet <laughs> and um and the one that um there was the uh <laughs> the one that we always did to piss off Anne because she hated it, which was the "Would you eat the moon if it were made of ribs?" The Harry Carey sketches, yeah. and then the um, like I drive a Dodge Stratus. People fear me. <laughs> like, like that that whole sketch with Sarah Michelle Geller of like, do you want to go to the pottery sale on Saturday? I wish you were dead. <laughs> like, like, like they're like genuinely like some of his like SNL sketches. Some of my favorite of all time. Yeah, absolutely. But watching like a full length, like for me, like Step Brothers, him, like I watched Talladega Nights in theaters with my sister. Mm-hmm. My sister's a huge Will Ferrell fan. She loves a lot of his movies. They're just not for me. Like I've tried Anchorman. It's not really I, for me. I tried Anchorman. The like I think the Night at the Roxbury movie is like the dumbest fucking thing I've ever yeah, I seen. I haven't actually watched. It. I've just seen clips, and I'm like, I'm good. So like t- saying all of that. Will Ferrell is so good in this movie. <laughs> like Franz Liebkind is, is like you. They open. We go to the roof and you see he's in a German helmet and lederhosen. Yes, and he's got pigeons. And one of them is named Adolf. Like they're all. They all have like German names. And one named Adolf. <laughs> okay, the bit that cracks me up the most is like they go up on the rooftop. Uh-huh. They go on the rooftop and there he is. Like he's with, he's with his pigeons <laughs> and Max, opened. well, Max says his name. Max says, you know, Franz Liebkind. And he just immediately kind of like turns around and like stands hands up, hands up. is like, I was never a member of the Nazi party. I only followed orders. I had nothing to do with the war. I didn't even know there was a war on. We lived in the back right across from Switzerland. All we ever heard was yodeling. Yodeling. And then all of a sudden, like, then he just stops. He's like, wait, who are you? <laughs> so funny and he's like no 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 we're not from the government mr liebkind we want to make you we want to do your play yeah and he t- then like addresses all of his birds and when he says adolf the adolf bird actually salutes it like, does, does a, a Nazi, salute. a salute. yep and and so 
he is happy to let them do it. Yes. So long but as, bef- you know. Before he yeah. will sign the contract, he wants that he wants Max and Leo to show that they are true believers and the, join him in singing DeFure's favorite song. Before that, he was like, you are taken in by the BBC. <laughs> Because he's saying how, you know, like, you know, yeah. he's, he's like, this is so, what I quote. He, he's, he's talking, what well, he's talking about, he's talking oh. about, you know, like wanting to make this a musical and all this and, and how. To clear the Fuhrer's name. It's like wanting to clear those vicious lies. <laughs> well, you know, but yeah, because he, he's talking about how, you know, it's like, you know, the Fuhrer. He was a terrific dancer. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's because you were taken in by the BBC. And he goes, he's like, and that Winston Churchill and his paintings, his rotten paintings. It's, oh my God. Hitler, there was a painter. Peter. He could do an entire oh. apartment. To, uh, no, one apart, entire apartment in one, one afternoon. afternoon. Two, Two coats. coats. <laughs> <laughs> it just destroys me. It's so funny. But, oh and my so God. They do the, to, to Dar- prove Dar- it, Dar- yeah, they we, do the Gutentag Hop Club, which is basically a Nazi hoedown. Yeah. Sort of like a Nazi. Okay, in this scene, like, Matthew Broderick's physical comedy skills can also, be... Also, Nathan Lane. Lane yeah. Like, they are both... Like, Nathan Lane is just a fucking comedic genius. <laughs> when, when they do the one part and and uh, Franz Liebkin hits uh, Leo in the face and Leo does a full backflip. <laughs> it's... Oh, my God. It's, so, oh, it's just... It's hilarious. Like, you can't even really describe it. You, you can't. It's it. like, you have to watch But, like, they they finish the number. Uh-huh. And, and they're like, okay, great, sign. But then France is like, no, 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 no. You must take the Siegfeld Oath. Like, to pledge eternal allegiance to the Fuhrer. And Never. So, and so, and then Franz hands them their swastika armbands. Well, and Leo says, never, never elbowed, took that oath before. before. <laughs> like, because Leo, Leo's like, we're getting it over our head, Max. I'll let you know we're getting it over our head. We're fine. Yeah. The, well, yeah, he's like, so yeah, yeah this is where, this is where, yeah, Franz hands them the swastikas and Leo says, he's like, Max, I think we're getting in too deep. Too deep? <laughs> this, this is nothing. I'll tell you when we're getting in too deep. And they put on the swastikas and they take the oath. And he's like, you must raise your, your right finger, finger and repeat the oath. And the, them holding up the middle fingers. They switch to the middle finger about after the first stanza. Yeah, the middle finger, like it never, all, never, never, never. It, nothing makes me laugh harder. Like it, I don't know. It is such a simple thing because at one point Franz like looks over at them and they, and they, in imme- they immediately switch. That that had to be rehearsed well because they do it like in unison perfectly timed like, like and that great. that is a thing like watching like watching this movie like like matthew broderick and nathan lane like they have these characters down because they had been playing them on broadway yes because they've been playing time. them on broadway together and and that that's the other thing like when when we get to here in a little bit with uh with uh, Roger Bart and um, Gary Beach. Yeah. When we get to them, because they played Roger Debris and Carmen Ghia on stage, like uh-huh. in the original cast. And so those two kind of pairs, for lack of a better term, like it's so seamless and everything mm-hmm. is a dance. You and- buy that they've been part common law. Oh my God. For a very you, long time. you do. But then, but the have, because of like, you know, we have four of the original cast members, like from the from from the original Broadway cast, and so I, I think that's why. Like 
as good as Will Ferrell is and as good as like Uma Thurman is, they're not seamless. Like in certain places they they do feel kind of the timing. The yeah. the timing isn't they're, they're not they quite, don't they don't have the flow, yeah. yeah. They don't have the theater experience to have. And and yeah. so yeah, it's but when but we you know, they um the, like I said, going back to the the raised middle fingers, and so it's like you know, pledge allegiance, you know, to blah blah blah, like Adolf to Elizabeth, honor the memory and the legacy see, of Adolf Elizabeth, Elizabeth Hitler. Hitler. Elizabeth, yeah. yeah. The Führer no. was descended from a long, long line, line of, of English, English queens. <laughs> and they're like, okay, oh, Adolf Elizabeth Hitler, okay, and, and sign. He, they sign. And they almost get trapped on the roof. Oh, okay, in a, that in an outtake. Yeah, it, well, no, no, it, no. It, uh, that wasn't outtake, but it, it was what yeah. it was was one night on yeah. uh, one night on the um, when they were performing it on stage. One of the stagehands had accidentally locked that door. Yeah, and so when they go to make their exit, Nathan Lane like pulled on the door. And um and it wouldn't open and so Nathan Lane covered and he's like trapped we're trapped we're trapped like rats with a Nazi and then like the stagehand heard what was going on and unlocked the door and then he pulled it one more time and he's like oh no okay we're fine and then like then they run off Which and is, so th- that yeah. this was an allusion to that yeah so like that that happens they get off the roof they then head to <laughs> to Roger Debris' estate yeah to the estate of Roger Debris. And, and Roger Debris' uh, breezy townhouse on a sunny June morning. Yeah, maybe? sunny afternoon in June. June. And, and I, Carmen uh, is answering the phone. Carmen Gia. And uh, listen, you, and then all of a sudden the voice just changes. <laughs> listen, you, you broke, broke down, down, old queen. queen. He was drunk. He was hot. hot. You got, you got lucky. lucky. Never no. call here again. <laughs> and then you hear Roger. Who was it? Wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's a knock on the door. Carmen answers it. And it is Max and Leo. And, 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 you know, Carmen Gia, he, like, he introduces himself, gives his name, and says and, that he is Mr. Debris' common law assistant. Yeah. Common <laughs> law assistant. Yeah. Like, like, I love and, the delivery. It's oh, so I great. do too. And then, and then he's like, may I take your, your hat, hat, your coat, and, and your, your spasticus? And, like, no judgment, but... <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, um, we, we just came from a rally. Everyone was wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And so, like... Like, Carmen takes their jackets, and then, like, as he's taking them, uh, Bialystok turns to, to Bloom, and he's like, Leo, why didn't you tell me we were still wearing those? You told me not to notice anything. I didn't know. He's <laughs> like, okay, fine. But then, you know, we, we are introduced, like, you know, um, I... The okay, choreographer the, and director. The, well, yeah. The, Debris. the The moment where, because... Carmen Gia has has Max and Leo like sit down on the couch and he goes with not alone. Yeah, he he goes to get in that that delivery it fucking kills like, me. The raised eyebrows. Yeah, so good. Roger Bart's eyebrows like they this deserve scene. they deserve their own Academy Award. This is one of my favorite scenes <laughs> in the whole thing. I know because, it's so funny. Like okay, I'm not gonna because. Because Roger Debris and Carmen Ghia are like at the top of my list of favorite things of this movie. That like I I love virtually everything about this movie, and yeah. they are high on the list because it, like one again, like again like there is a chemistry that they yeah. have, and it is flawless and is great. But Roger enters the room wearing an evening gown, and and. and and Leo is uh, understandably like, like, like uh, what, what is happening? Why he, is he wearing a dress? He's like, wearing a dress. Oh, really? I didn't notice. Yeah, <laughs> just like just go with it. And and you find like they're 
Roger and Carmen Gia, like they're going to, to choreographer's ball. ball and you know, best West, you know, best dressed costume. Like it all, it always, you know, they, best they win West, every year. Yeah. They win every year. And, and it's like, I'm supposed to be the grand duchess Anastasia, but I think I look more like the Chrysler building and with the, with the with, crown, on, with the crown on. He absolutely does. It's intentionally made that way. And it's so great. It's like, hysterical. It's like so Roger, funny. that building is you to which Carmen is like, without your wig on, you're only half dressed. Like that, like this little interplay between between Roger and Carmen Gia, like it was completely unnecessary. We didn't need these like few lines for this scene, but, but it, it gives you their marriage. It in gives a, the you. Heartbeat. Oh yeah, so funny. Like it's oh my god, it's so it's hysterical. But basically, we like kind of getting to the point of. Roger is like he's read Springtime for Hitler like he's he, but he's not interested in directing the play. It's, it's not his kind of it, thing. It's not his kind of thing. And so this is where we get um you know the we get the song Keep It Gay, which and they mean the actual textbook definition of the word gay, keep it happy. Yeah. They are using it as a a little bit double yeah. entendre here because Roger and Carmen as well as the household staff are very much stereotypes, but they're played that way yes. for a reason. Yes. And but oh my god, the best line in it the best line, Kia, is when they're talking at the very beginning. It's like, you know, the theater's so obsessed yes. with so so, drama, so depressed. Rest. It's hard to sell a ticket on Broadway. Shows should be more pretty. Shows should be more witty. Shows should be more, what's the word, gay. But then they get to, like, describing what plays, yeah. for example. Oedipus won't bomb if he wants I've got, up. I've got, I've got the, like, I know it, what it is. It's, it's my favorite line. It's the, the lead up to it is Carmen Gia says, you know, people want laughter when they see a show. The last thing they're after is a litany of woe. A happy ending will pep up your play. Oedipus, Oedipus won't, won't bomb if he, if he winds, winds up with mom. mom. And I, the first time I yeah, heard dude. that, I about died because like you know sometimes you're watching musical you don't catch the lyrics yeah so i don't think i caught it probably the very first time i heard it Mm -hmm. but listening to the musical like as much as i did it that line every time and i had to read oedipus in college same i think i was i I taking that class at the time or was that the next semester i don't remember Mm -hmm. but i read it not too far and i I knew the story of oedipus everybody knew Mm -hmm. the story of oedipus but it was just one of those, like, I I was just, like, I can't believe they just said this. That is oh, I know. the worst and best thing I've ever heard. Uh-huh. Like, and and they go through the whole song, and it, the well, whole point is... We get we get to, like, the mid-break of yeah. the song, and, and Max finally, like, convinces Roger to do it by dangling the potential of a Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> I'm having so, a stroke. I'm having a stroke. I'm genius. Roger Debris presents history. Sorry, guys. I'm just going to bust out the whole song if I'm not careful. But yeah, they're, they're, you, they're losing the war. That's too down beat. we got to rewrite that whole second act. So they're rewriting the show to Germany I is winning the war. A line of beautiful girls. Just storm stormtroopers, each one a gem. <laughs> With leather boots and whips on their hips, it's risque, Yay, dare, dare I say, s and Because you find out that living in his home are also his choreographer, his uh, set designer, and his costume designer, and his lighting designer, designer Shirley, Shirley Markowitz. The other Last three, and certainly least. The other three are very obviously um, probably all... <laughs> like. The, yeah, well, okay. What it is is like with you, Roger like, the, in some the, way or another. The, the first, the first, the first, like the first three men, like they are obviously like very like distinct gay stereotypes. Yeah. And it's like last and certainly least, Shirley, my lighting designer Shirley Markowitz, and she's supposed to be this like butch lesbian. Keep it but gay, gay, keep, keep it gay, gay, keep it gay. 
And you've all read it. What do you think it needs? It needs glamour, glamour and glitz. glitz. It, it needs, needs sequins and tits. <laughs> I don't know why. This whole scene just makes me... And it's... the best part is Leo is just, like, enraptured oh, yeah. with all of this. He's oh, yeah. a little uncomfortable, but also having the best time of his life. Oh, yeah. He, like, he eventually like, gets in. And then finally, like, you know, once they've got, like, these details hammered out and, like, it, you know... We're just like, oh, I need to think about it. I'll do, do it. it. And, you know, Roger signs on, and then He's we get... Roger Elizabeth Debris, Debris. <laughs> which is just good. And then Cebu, Champagne. And, and, and we like, conga, conga line. <laughs> we conga line for like, the rest of the, like... Oh, yeah. So we... Can... And when they come back to the office, Leo is now wearing the Anastasia crown and, and a, a feather, feather boa. <laughs> and it's just... This is the most exciting day of Leo's life. Oh, absolutely. It's like... It's like... He's like, wow, what a day. Like this morning I'm taking the Siegfried Ove or the Siegfried Ove. Like, and then, you know, then I'm having, you know, then I'm drinking champagne with a Cherokee Indian or something like that. Yeah. With a very friendly Cherokee Indian. Oh yes. But then, because once again, it was all the stereotypes. Yes. 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 Because, but, because like, basically, like, it was basically the, well, why, the, the village people, village people yeah. coming down the stairs at one point. Well, that, that's literally what it was. Yeah. And so they, um, because at a certain point in the song, after we've been introduced to those, to those, um, you know, to who work for him, yeah, to the, the ones the who work for him, we get like several more men finally down the downstairs. stairs dressed as the rest of the village people. So funny. Um, um, but then Ula enters. Yeah. Now I meant to mention this earlier when Max and Leo first met, Max saw a woman getting out of a car and cat called down at her. If you've got it, flaunt it, flaunt it. <laughs> yeah. If from the back, you don't know it at the time, but you realize it is Ula. Yes. I'm not saying her whole name. Ula Swedish. Ula is very Swedish, and she's got a very long first name. Yeah. And she proceeds to to come in to make audition. Yeah. And Leo and Ma- Max, especially, is very excited to see a woman below the age of 85 <laughs> in his office. And so they... The, Leo, on the other hand, is just enamored with her immediately. Well, yeah, like, you know, Le- Leo tries one. It's like Max, like we, like, like we're not, we're not auditioning yet. And he's like, I, like, no, give this to me. Yeah. I need this. Yeah, I need it. So they they let her go ahead and and she sings. If you've got it, flaunt it. it because she got the idea after a crazy man yelled down at her from the from the balcony yesterday. Yeah, and I will like. This has always been my least favorite number. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what it is. Like, because we have, like, after the, um, after all of, like, the movement and the color and the vivacity that we have Mm. from Keep It Gay, and then it immediately kind of, like, it cuts to, to this kind of, like, quiet moment of, like, where we have Leo and Max just kind of talking, and it's Mm. kind of... Nothing will ever come between us, enter Ula. And enter Ula. And it... Like having that brief like respite of quiet, it's like we don't quite get long enough to recover from the other, and like I don't know. Well, it, with all due respect to Uma Thurman, she is not a singer. No, and so the the number has the number suffers a little bit vocally because she's it not does. necessarily a singer. And the whole point of the number is that she's using her sexuality to get a job. Yeah, and I like that's I think that's the other thing. Yeah, like because this this is a very doodly show yes other than the old ladies we don't ha- there's no other females in the movie yeah. and you know and except for shirley markowitz yeah and so 
basically like this song like when you've got it flaunted it's the male gaze in song form which is interesting because i was paying attention yes more this time as you watch it the focus for most of it is actually more on leo and max yes it absolutely is um but other than a few scenes leo is the least objectifying between the two yes max is like head buried in her cleavage but yes. but Leo, it, don't get me wrong. He looks when she's dancing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like, it's it's a very interesting like, just watching the way that the boat the two men play it is mm-hmm. interesting to me. Because once again, Leo is the more timid. Leo is the mm-hmm. the quieter. Max has had to deal with only eighty five year old women for a very long time, <laughs> and he's acting like the typical stereotypical casting couch producer. Yeah, like that's that is that is who Max is. Mm-hmm. He's he's a bit of a dog. Yes. Which is made obvious by even when he was singing the song earlier to mm-hmm. Leo about what he could get by being a producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there he's. I mean, he's not quite Weinstein. <laughs> no, 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 but no. he doesn't threaten people. He just enjoys the what he sees as the perks of his job. Yes, because there's always a spot in the in the show for the producer's girlfriend. Yes. Um. So, but he also after Leo finishes the song, they decide. Yes, yeah, she's got the part. She's in, and. He's like, but I want her to stay around. So he tells Matt, or he well, tells Leo. Le- Leo is saying, he's like, you know, we're we're not we're nowhere near like ready being to, able, yeah. like ready to do anything like with a cast or whatever. And so that's you know he's trying to be pragmatic about yeah. the situation. And you know that's when Max tells him, he's like, well, you know, we'll we'll have her work here around the office, slash receptionist. And you know, and so and maybe she can tidy up a little bit. And so they explain to her what tidy up means. T- tidy up. What was tidy up? Tidy up always makes me laugh. Yeah. And so it's like, make it look nice around here. Okay, okay. So she will make tidy up, and she will come at 11, and... Uh, <laughs> Ula come at 11. Yeah. And then Ula leaves the office, yeah. and Max very quickly kicks out Leo, and we go into another hysterical we, this, number. Max, Max has to get ready to go and raise the money from his investors. Because you see, this is an empty thing. Yeah. You're not going to see me very much in the coming weeks, Leo, as I'm launching myself into Little Old Lady Land. And, and we, we get, get along Cambiali. Yeah, which, like, I'm, because a, there is kind of a large, like, instrumental break yeah. in the song, so a lot of it is just kind of repetitive, but it's, you know, Max is singing, you know, about these little old ladies. They were helpless, they were hopeless, then along came Bialy. They were joyless, they were boyless, then along came Bialy. They're my angels, I'm their devil, I'm keeping those embers aglow. When I woos them, I can't lose them, because when I start, because I cast my spell, they start yelling, fire down down below. below. Which you just have to watch Nathan Lane perform this it's number. So it's funny. so great, and and so he we, we watch him like in a montage, not even a montage, in a large da- group dance number as he seduces these little old ladies, and there's no real like yeah, I mean, and he ends up to, like then he knocks them all down and starts taking the checkies. Yes, <laughs> and ra- like gets the two million dollars. I've done it. I've raised the two million. Now we have to put on the biggest flop in history, and that would be the intermission point in the theatrical edition yeah. or theatrical show. Mm-hmm. But cause I've also listened to the, some of the theatrical cause I like betrayed just as much in the betray in the yeah. theatrical as I do in the, in this. But so then we come back to auditions. And well, is that what we come back to? No, oh, we have, we have no, no, no. First, first. Yeah. First. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they, they, they come. Yeah. Um, Max and Leo come back into the office one day and Ula has literally painted every Everything single thing white. in it white. Yeah. Um, Cause she make tidy up. It looks nicer yeah. now. Yeah. And, um, 
Did you, by and the so, way, this is a little off, but it's back to the, that set that she has now painted all white. Some of the some of the um, posters for other plays yes. that Max has performed, the Breaking Wind. Yeah, the Breaking Wind. Um, and King, then King, King Lear, Lear is L-E-E-R, my favorite. Yeah. yeah, King Lear has always been my favorite. But yeah, you just see them around the around the office. I just think that's a really great like little touch moment. That yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so now everything is all white now. And Max, Max Max has to go make a payment like at the theater so he gets some money out no of the safe. No one knows. She even painted over the it's numbers like, on the safe. Oh yeah, it's oh my god, it's hysterical. It's, no but, one knows what I had to do for you. Una knows you had to stoop, stoop every, every little, little lady in New York. York. And I still have the denture bites to prove it. <laughs> and he, so he goes to pay the theater, leaving Max and Ula alone, leaving Leo, or leaving Leo and Ula alone. alone. And we get the number of that face. I do like I like the song that face, and I like the the dance break in the middle of it. I think it's I I I like the staging of it. Yes, and also just like the stark white of everything and the two of them in blue. It's oh, Ula keeps kind of hitting on on Leo, and Leo is is rejecting it. Like he's like, no, it's not so much rejection as he is like he's trying to deflect. Yeah, he's trying to deflect. But so like at one point he he walks away from her. Why Bloom go so far, camera right? right? Which and, is, it's just a very Mel Brooks and, joke. Yeah. And so he, he begins to sing and he's talking about how. I've got it. He, yeah. he says, you know, he starts singing. He says, the urge to merge can rob us of our senses. The need to breed can make a man a drone. We must be on alert with our defenses for every skirt will test testosterone. So knowing this, I severed all connection with any creature sporting silk or lace. I was firmly headed in the right direction when suddenly I stumbled on that face. And it becomes a love song about him and Ula falling yeah. for each other. I, I love because at the beginning of the song, her dress is pretty, it's shortish and it's got a pretty high slit in the side. And then as the song progresses, it turns into like a, a long, it go, like, yeah, it goes gown. from like a T length to like a full gown. And, and it's this great. is what I was talking about, like the, the, uh, Astaire and Rogers. Yes. It's very, um, it's very reminiscent of yeah. some of the top hat dances and, and some of the different dances that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge Staren Rogers fan, so like I th- that has always like hit me in yeah. that moment. And th- because we're and we're now in a white set, when the blue comes in, it mm-hmm. just it reflects off everything and it matches her dress and mm-hmm. his tie. And it like it's just it is a beautifully done number. But mm-hmm. the whole point of it, even even she sings that face. It, at yeah the, end. the the last line of the song is I'm certain if I fall in love I'm lost without a trace, but it's worth it for that face. And so Ula and Leo are in love. And it it I because the way that the number ends is like it ends with them kissing and, and Leo, Leo throwing away his blue blanket. He doesn't need it anymore. And then we go to and auditions. here is where we get the auditions with. And so yeah, they, they, my favorite part, Carmen is reading like people to come audition. It's, this is the one you and I still quote this all the mm-hmm. fucking time. Well, and Lost also did a thing like, anyway. Yes. So he's, I always mess up the name because it's Jacques. It's Jacques. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, Jacques Lapidu. No one comes away. Jacques Lapidu. And, and then, then Roger, Roger reads it over his shoulder, leans up, whispers him, Jack, Jack Lapidus. I don't know why it breaks me I every don't, time. I don't know either, but it, it's it's so fucking funny yeah. to the point that, like, you and I, like, quoted that all the time. Like, we would do that all the well, time. Apropos of nothing. Yeah. But then Lost, Lost introduced, introduced a, character. a character named Frank Lapidus. And as soon as they said his last name, I remember this vividly. You and I sitting next to each other on the couch in Foster, and they introduced the character. They said his name, and you and I both immediately went, Frank, Frank Lapidus. <laughs> Frank Lapidus. <laughs> like, 
so for from the for the rest of the goddamn series, you and I, every time he the first time he came on screen, Frank Lapidue. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> Just one of those things that stayed like that's one of the big ones for me. Yes. Yeah. And then this is where like they're they're holding they an a, audition. They have they're, a couple of auditions that don't go so well. They're, and then... Yeah. They're auditioning for Hitler. Yeah. And a guy steps forward and he's go he says he's, he's the most boring guy. Yeah. Um, he says he's going to sing uh, Hobbins. It's basically, like, have you heard the German band is how he says it. And he starts singing this song. And, and you have Fran- uh, Franz Liebkin there in the yeah, front row helping cast. And, and so we get you know this guy singing it. And it's very dull. It's very dry. And Franz is just like, no, 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 no. And like, uh, this Will Ferrell is great. Yes. great. And so Franz storms up on the stage. And he's like, that's not how you sing Habensiga Hitta Storcha Band. This is how you sing Habensiga Hitta Storcha Band. And he begins to perform the number. <laughs> And then in the Hobbit middle of it, that's Deutsche Band. And then, like, in the, toward the middle of it, he's like, Kitchen! Sauer Braten! Kitchen! And the, the woman, the piano player, has like a little, a little Hitler <laughs> mustache. And she stands the fact up. The that the swoops. piano player, like, a woman is sporting the Hitler yeah. stash, it always cracks and me up. She stands up and does the Heil and Spectre. And does and, the key change. And he finishes out the number, and immediately Max is like, That's, That's our, our Hitler. Hitler. And it's opening night. Like,. Mm-hmm. Like, from- like I like I also appreciate just like how quickly this musical moves. Yes, that that it goes directly from the auditions to it is opening night, and we get the it's bad luck to say good luck on opening night. Yeah, which so you have basically like because Max or Leo doesn't know he's Le- never been yeah. in theater. Leo, so, yeah, Leo says like, and I just want to wish everyone good luck because yeah, Roger and Carmen and Franz, uh, Franz have all arrived. And Franz has been brought by, like, Franz is going to restart the Reich, guys. Like, Franz is about to be the new Fuhrer. Franz, Franz <laughs> rides up in the sidecar with a dude driving a motorcycle. And Franz gets out and he tells the guys, like, you will pick me up at, like, whatever right time. The show, yeah. And the guy goes, yes, mine Herr. And, like, salutes and, like, drives yeah. off. Franz is going to restart things and it's not <laughs> a good idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. To, yeah. to Franz, the Third Reich never fell. Yeah. And it was just misunderstood. So as, as they're there, <laughs> according to Franz, yes. But uh, as they're, he says, "I want to show him good luck," and they're like, "No, no, 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 no! You don't wish good luck on opening night." And we get like, that number of Carmen. It's my luck and to say good luck on opening night. Carmen, Roger, and um, Franz. Franz are explaining to him it's verboten wishing luck on opening mm-hmm. night. Meanwhile, in the background, Max is wishing everyone and their mother yeah. good luck. He's put a, He's throwing a black cat around. He's put a the, uh, the swinging the black cat by the tail and like throwing it into the theater. Like he literally like. Like, drags a ladder over and, like, puts it directly in the doorway. And then a guy who's walking through carrying a mirror, like, bumps the mirror on the ladder and it breaks. He kicks at it, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, right before that song happens, Max tries to put the hat on. Leo tries to put the hat on. Yes. Leo tries to put the hat on. And and Max Max stops him. It's like, has has the curtain opened? Has the curtain come down? You're not a Broadway producer producer yet. (laughs) So that's that's another, like... Yeah, so we get the... And then, like, he has a, a ladder there and... And this is another thing where it felt really theater, and I love it. Because as they're singing the number, Franz is like, oh, no, I'm late. And you see behind them, like, somebody come out the door and, like, pop the the parts of the ladder so that, that um, tall Will Ferrell can get in with no yeah. problem without hesitating. <laughs> and then he just picks it up and carries it off. Like, he's, like, it, like yeah. it felt like such a stage move, and mm-hmm. I loved it. But, but then so, as he's running, rushing in the door, you just hear crashing and falling. 
as I told him to break a leg as they run the door. Yeah. What happened? I, I broke, broke my leg. leg. And you know, so Roger's like, we're going to have to refund everybody their money. Refund. No. no. Refund. And like, you think that Max is having a heart attack for a second. He's like, never say that again. So who are we going to do? What are we going to do? And while it's happening, Roger's holding a comb and he ends up putting it under his nose. And they're like, oh, you, you must play Hitler. I mean, I see you all the time. Always, you, I see you in rehearsals, rehearsals always mouthing the lines along with the actors. As he mouths his lines along with Nathan Lane there. It's like, see, you're doing it right now. It's like, go. And he's not, he's not sure about it. So Carmen takes him aside. He's like, come on, you can do this. You were born for this. I'm not going to stand by the side and watch you give up your dreams. You're going down there, a broken down old queen. No, no, no. It's like you're going in, a screaming Scream, queen, scream and you're queen. coming, you're coming out, passing for straight, <laughs> a big passing Bro- for straight, straight Broadway, Broadway star. star. And so he's like, "I'll do it." So he runs in. He goes, "Wait, I need my lucky Gloria Swanson mole, which Carmen was wearing." And they rush into the backstage to get him set up to be Hitler. Yeah, and. I mean, Max and Leo are delighted. This could not be going oh, yeah. more in their favor. So well, they... yeah, because because you know the the assumption being is like yeah, like one casting Franz as Hitler. He is a man who is going to take this so seriously, and all, you know, it's like he is not going to let anybody disgrace yeah. his beloved Fuhrer. So he is going to like he's going to do this as seriously as possible but also franz is not an actor so he's not going to do it very well he's going to do it very seriously and very poorly yeah and so introducing roger into the mix but they don't think that that's a big deal yes they don't think it's a big deal because to them oh our lead like our lead actor okay well so now we're getting this last minute substitute somebody who's also never really acted this is going this is going well and, and, and who's so just like out there and off the wall we're we're, we're set like yeah there's no way this could succeed so they come in to watch the opening of the show they shake hands say good luck and the the curtain goes up on deutschland and we we get the yep. opening to springtime for hitler Sung by the peasants in Germany. Yes. You know, Germany was having trouble. Well, what a sad, sad story. <laughs> we needed a new leader to restore its former glory. Where, oh, where was he? Where, where could, could that, that man be? be? They looked around and they found a man found... for you and me. Yeah. And finally then we get... Found. And enter... John Barrowman as the lead tenor. And <laughs> he begins... And, like, the f- perfect, like, poster boy for Arianism. Yep. <laughs> Like, like just peroxided blonde hair, chiseled yeah. jaw, and he he goes into springtime for Hitler. And as he's singing, we get these ladies entering in very skimpy clothing with their uh, with the different things of Germany, like beer steins and, and one of pretzels them, yeah, and pretzels. And yeah, it's I was like until we get to Ula, who is the um the 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 bird. I forget what it's like the on the on the actual flag. I want to. It's like, like on the it, symbol, on the Nazi symbol that they have. I part of me wants to say it's the Iron Eagle, something like it's that. Something but like that. Is, yeah, she is firmly dressed as that, and yes, and posed for the. See, Fiora is coming. Well, but before yeah. that, you have like these two like people <sighs> pop out of the side. One of them is Bell Brooks's voice. Yes, it's not Mel Brooks, but it's like well, they yeah because they did that yeah. in the in the sixty seven movie too. Yeah. It's, you know, we have, um, um, I, yeah, we have one guy steps out and says, he's like, I was born in Dusseldorf and that is why they, they call, call me, me Rolf. Rolf. And uh, then the other guy stepped stupid, would be a smotty. Come, come and join the Nazi party. And it's Mel Brooks's voice, which yeah. is great. And, uh, 
and then the Führer's coming. coming. Heil Hitler. And John Barrowman was born for this part. Oh, my God. Where he switches from Heil Hitler, Hitler. is, is <laughs> just... I know. And so we, and they get that number. And then Hitler, like, like and people are walking out of the theater. Oh, yeah. It's like, Leo and Max people, are like, we better get out of here before people we People are scandalized by how... Like, tasteless this is the audience is sitting their jaws scraping the ground people yes. are leaving getting angry and so because and max leave yeah so max because max max and Le- like max basically thinks like okay this is it like ev- like we we have done it we have offended everybody we better get out here before they bring the tar and feathers before Beca- they, they and because all, yeah. because this is the moment where everything turns because to this point until the moment they do the heil hitlers this is done seriously yes and then roger debris steps out as hitler and now it's camp it, it goes and he, turns, he goes from like the salute to like the the like more limp hand and yes and, and he's so camp about the whole thing and turns and so now everybody but, stops as they're walking yes. out and they're laughing but leo and max are already gone leo and max have already gone and and so they you know now it's oh now it's satire now, now we're mocking Hitler. now we're mocking Hitler. everybody's on board with that who's not on board with mocking oh Hitler? absolutely like, let's be honest especially in 1960s mm-hmm. <laughs> like so yeah the, it roger comes out and dances and and just has a good time with it and like he and john barrowman have some eye flirting which is fun <laughs> Uh, which but, I, my first thought was also De Lovely, which John yes. Merriman has a scene in. I'm like, they just hire him to be the like attractive boy to sleep with the director. Yep. Like, that's, that's why he's there. But, but yeah, so I mean, we, I mean, come on. It's basically the John Barrowman story. <laughs> I don't know that. I choose to not know that. But anyway, but yeah, so because like that moment when like he hits, he hits the tenor's arm. Yeah. At, like forget the the naked woman, mostly naked woman standing next to him. He's, oh, he's Yeah. He's flirting with the tenor. In, yeah. And he's like leaning up on the, on the different, you know, chorus boys. Yeah. In very tight Pep pants. pants. <laughs> <laughs> but like, and so that's all going on. And then, you know, we kind of transition to the end of the show. I was just a paper hanger. And it's like, it's very like Judy Garland. Yes. Um, like, like he, in he, her is sit- he is sitting on the edge of the stage and like the curtain is dropped down behind yeah, him. And his and feet you- are in the, the pit. Yeah, his feet are in the pit. And it's, you know, um, I was, was just a paper speaking. hanger, no one more obscure. Got a phone call from the Reichstag, told me I was Fuhrer. Oh, oh suddenly, oh, don't know what to do. Hitched up my pants, conquered, conquered France. France. Now, now Deutschland shining through. through. And they get up, and, and we see now that Ula is is Ava, and she's all yes. dressed up. And they do a dance number where they wind up dancing in a kick line as a swastika. It's, it's brilliant and awful at the same oh, time. Oh, absolutely. As, as my husband pointed out, not an easy maneuver to manage. <laughs> right. Like, they have a giant mirror that the audience can see. So they can, so they see, can see the swastika, the, yeah. The swastika. It, and then it ends, and, and you know, everybody's standing Stand- ovation. Oh, yeah. He, because he's got a pass for straight, he reaches over and kisses Ula and leaves the mustache <laughs> on her face. And Carmen throws a bouquet of roses up to him. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're, they're so excited. Like, everything is going oh, wonderful. Yeah. And we Th- transition. This is what everybody else expected. Yeah. This is what everybody else expected. And so now we have, it's it's back at the office, and Leo and Max are coming into Leo the office. Leo comes in panicked and is, like, grabbing things. And it, it, no, he it's, gets his blue blankie. He go, he go, like, Leo walks in and goes straight to the trash, throws out a few pieces of newspaper that are crumpled up in there, and grabs his blue blanket and collapses on the floor. And Max is walking in holding 
uh, newspapers yeah. of like the like the minute reviews that have come out and well, and, for years. and it's like and he's read the first one says a satiric masterpiece and then the next one a surprise smash and then the third one it was shocking outrageous insulting and I loved every minute of it how did this happen we picked the wrong play the wrong director the wrong cast where did we go right? And it's while he's saying, like, while he's reading all of these, like, Leo's on the floor going, no way out. <laughs> no, no way, way out. out. No way out. And, he, and so Max finally, like, just, that's when, when Max says, he's like, where did we go right? Which that's a number that's in the Broadway show of yeah. where did we go right? And, um, and it had to be cut from the movie. But they, um, but then while Max is kind of, in a bit of a fugue state over trying to figure yeah, out what days. Yeah, like, a bit what? like what the fu- what like what the fuck happened. Leo goes over to to the safe and takes out the ledgers. Take takes out these two ledgers. I'm going to play ball with the IRS. IRS. And his plan is he's gonna go to the IRS, confess what they did in an attempt to get a reduced sentence. <laughs> and and then they end up fighting over them. And it, like it's hard to describe it. You just kind of have to... Fat! Give me those like, book, books, you fat walrus! Like, and they wind up on the floor wrestling over the books. Yes. As I, Carmen and Roger walk in. <laughs> give it to me! No. no. Give, give it, it to me! me. No. <laughs> That's what I call oh, celebrating. celebrating. It's... I, my God, like, it's just, it's just something you have to and see. This is the next chaos scene. This, this is legitimately this is far since it's cut it's like best yes yeah it like this is the scene that makes me laugh harder than anything else in the movie and so like so they're chaotic. like roger like I said roger and carmen Gia enter and then they are quickly followed by franz comes in shooting a luger and it's just <laughs> Quick, darling back in the closet it's oh yeah like Franz is like shooting at everything and everyone and like I love that like the four like the four men like they end up kind of smushed onto the couch together and Franz is like pointing a gun at them and then they all like quickly run they scatter oh, yeah. like they scatter and run away this is where you know quickly darling back in the closet and so Roger and Carmen are now safely ensconced in the closet and under the uh, cowering under the desk is Leo and Max ex- clutching onto each other and like it and like <laughs> like while Franz is just walking around like shooting at random like under the desk, Max says to Leo, like, remember when I told you I'd tell you when we were in too deep? We're in too deep. And and then, and so, like, they, Franz points the gun at Max and Leo under the desk, and they start cowering, like, holding on to each other and whimpering. And Franz is like, like, oh, like, cowering under the desk like mice. Like, get, and basically it's like, Franz Liebkin will show you how to, to die, die like, like a, a man. man. And he puts the pistol to his temple and he starts to fire and it just clicks and it clicks and it clicks and like nothing's happening. And he's like, oh, what did you know it? And then he tosses the gun onto the couch and it goes off. It's it's so funny. But like the horrified looks on Max and yeah. Leo's faces as soon as he puts the gun to his head. It's just. and But now Franz is just dejected. He's like, you know, they made fun of the Fuhrer. You've broken the Siegfried Oath. And he's like, no, we didn't make for your beloved make fun of your beloved Fuhrer. Oh, talk. Okay, sorry. When as soon that that reminded me, I didn't get it in my notes. But when when Franz stormed in and he's he says like you've made fun of my beloved Fuhrer, Carmen Gia and Roger in unison. He didn't need our help. 
that it kills me every time made a fool of the fury yeah in unison like just perfect in unison is great but but yeah yeah, this is where max um, suggests maybe he should go kill the actors yeah like they had nothing to do with it it was the actors who made fun of the fury like what are you doing stop it no like Like, the actors are people people. you ever eaten with one they're animals and and he gives he's giving franz money to go to go do that and then the police arrive yeah and they arrest franz and well, as as the police enter, yeah. Max and oh, yeah. Max and Leo they scatter, and like Max goes like kind of off into another room, and Leo goes and hides behind the door. Max is trying to get into his bathroom. Yeah, he's trying to get into his bathroom, and and so you know, Franz he has a broken leg. He's like in a cast, and he's got a crutch. He can't really like run anywhere, and so the cops enter. And then as the cops come in and, like, they've heard shooting and they're trying to figure out what the hell is going on, Carmen and Roger come out of the closet and is like, this crazy crowd tried to, crassly tried to kill us. And, you know. <laughs> Good alliteration, darling. Yeah. Thank you, darling. <laughs> but they, you know, so then, like, ah, oh, tried to kill him, eh? And so the cops try to arrest. And they let, they let Roger and Carmen go. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> so, Carmen and Roger leave, and then they're trying to arrest Franz. And he's like, he's like, you'll never take me alive! And he starts, he tries to run at the door. As soon as he gets out the door, we hear a huge clattering. I, I broke, broke my, my other, other leg. leg. And then you hear, like, like a jiggling of a handle, and the police chief kind of goes over there, and the police are all Irish. Yes. <laughs> and so Nathan Lane's uh, Max Bialystok adopts a really bad Irish accent. And, like, and who... Who who are you? I'm Obianishtok. I I just ducked in to see what the, the hell, hell was going on. on. On the way to the Pat O'Brien Film, Film Festival. Festival. And now I'm going to shut up before my voice gets any higher. And now I'm going to say in the old company, taxi. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, and then hey, hold on a second here. Yeah. And then the, the enterprising young young man has found like, I've two books here, Sarge. It's like one says show to, to the, the IRS. IRS. And what does the other one say? Never, Never. show to, to the, the IRS. And it's like, oh, you you three are gonna come with me. Three? You, you and, and them, them two, two books. books. <laughs> and so they all get hauled out. And then we get like a, a fade and the, Ula shows up. Yeah, the office is like it's quiet now. There's yeah. nothing happening in the office. Ula comes in through the open door and is Bialystok and Bloom. And Bialystok. closes it and somehow Leo has hung himself up. He is coat. like in the coat and it is on the coat hanger. And it's like, oh, did, did, did you? Like, I know what happened. You, 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 forgot, you forgot to, to take, take off your coat before hanging it up. And, yeah. And it's a funny gag. Leo's like, Leo kind of tells Ula what happened. And, and he's like, what do we do? Do we go to, do I go to jail? Or go to Rio. And she's like, you should take the money take ula and go, go to, to rio. rio and he's like but but max what should i do it's such a dilemma and he's like resting his head on her chest because she's so much taller than yes him. and then it fades to max in prison and he gets a he gets a postcard, postcard from rio from leo and Leo, Leo's, Leo tells him, I think about you all the time. Or we think about you all the time. When we're dancing on the beach, when we're rubbing cocoa butter on each other, whatever, da, da, da. It's almost 11, which Ula has sex at 11. It's a whole joke. Mm-hmm. It's almost Ula 11. Gotta 11. go. Max. Or Leo. Or Leo. And Max is, Max goes into my favorite oh, it's, song. Oh, it's so good. It's the song Betrayed. It is a tour de force moment. Yeah. And it, to see it in like, he, he does it as, it, you know, as a number in mm-hmm. the it's no break in this number yeah it's so great because he basically like 
after you know, Kane and Abel pulled the sneak attack, attack I thought they were brothers, brothers and he stabbed, stabbed me in the back. back. Betrayed. Trade. He also makes an allusion to uh, Iago and Othello. Yes. Max is double-crossed. And then he, he goes, how did we get here? And, oh, no, wait. First, he has to relive his own past. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I have this because it is oh, my favorite it, yeah. moment in the whole oh, song. I memorized. Oh, I, I do too. I, yeah. But I wrote it down just so, sure, yeah, yeah, to make sure. It's, it's like Max, like he drops to his knees and he's like, I'm drowning. I'm drowning here. I'm going down for the last time. I, I see my whole life flashing before my eyes. I see a weathered old farmhouse with a white picket fence. I'm running through fields of alfalfa with my collie, Rex. No, Rex, not on the alfalfa. I see my mother standing on the back porch in a worn I see but mama in a worn but, but clean gingham gown. Because he switched to southern accent, and I love it. In a worn but clean, clean gingham, gingham gown. gown. And I hear her calling out to me, Alvin, don't forget your chores. The wood needs a cordon and the cows need a milking. And Alvin! Because this is a movie, we get a transition to Nathan Lane dressed as mama in the- <laughs> In like this, like yellow golden light. Oh yeah, and then it fades back. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. My name's not Alvin. Alvin? That's, That's not, not my, my life. life. Somebody else's life is flashing before my eyes. What the hell is that about? I'm Leo's- not a hill. I'm not a hillbilly. I grew up in the Bronx. Leo's, Leo's taken, taken everything. everything from me, even my past. And my past, past a dying ember. But wait. Now, now I, I remember. remember. How did it begin? He and walked he, into my office with his cock and made me scheme. We can make more money, money with, with a flop than with a hit. We can do it. Which I, I but so he yeah. basically reenacts the whole, whole play. Yeah. But like he, he kind of pins it all on Leo in his yeah. head. Leo's like where, the one who had all these plays. Where did it go? Yeah. Where we go right? Where do we go right? Books fat. Books fat. Books fat. And so then like. You know, now you're around to, around to Rio and you're safely on the beach. I'm behind these bars. bars. You're banging, banging Ula on the beach. beach. And then just we get like, like, the, the, like, just like Julius Caesar was betrayed by Brutus, who'd think an accountant would turn out to be my Judas? I'm so dismayed. Let's face it, I'm betrayed. And as it's happening, the lights. Are, oh, like, it's so the, it's good. very theatrical. The the bars behind him have now taken like like twinkly Christmas lights. Like, it's not. It, it's like know. chasing lights. Like chasing lights. Yeah. yeah. And and you know he's he's in this last like number and i'm betrayed yeah and it it lands on this like heavy note uh-huh. and then it immediately cuts to the courtroom and the judge asks you know you know jury how do you find and richard kind is the lead <laughs> richard kind is the jury foreman and he's like we find the defendant incredibly guilty. guilty and sitting but like he's sitting at like the tables of but like in what would be like i don't even know the other jury box like it's a weird he has a weird setup old yeah. ladies sitting like on his side as like a family as family members basically and, and yeah and he's like do you have anything to say in your own defense and and you know he he kind of gives this like Mac, max gives yeah the 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 judge asks you know does the does the defendant have anything to say on his own behalf and max you know max stands up and he says you know i admit for the last 20 years i've been a lying double crossing two-faced backstabbing despicable crook but i had no choice i was a broadway producer a man without a conscience and with no one who gave a damn about him and that your honor is what hurts the most i thought at last i had found a loyal partner a man i cared about and who i thought cared about me and what breaks my heart is that now, when I need him most, he's deserted me. And I will probably never see or hear from him ever again. And then Matthew Broderick's voice coming from the back of the courtroom. That's not, not true. true. And I've then Samba, Samba music starts playing. As he and Ula come into the, 
come into the courtroom. They've returned because he could not leave Max out to dry. He felt too mm-hmm. guilty. Oh, it's... no one ever believed in him. Yes. Until him. Um, and we get this we... beautiful number. <laughs> we... In in the span of like a couple of seconds, we find out that that Ula and Leo have gotten married because, because he wouldn't do he it. He wouldn't unless... do it unless yeah, he wouldn't do it unless they were married. Um, but Leo has come to speak on Max's behalf, and he says, you know, the law was created to protect people who've been wronged. Whom is Max Bialystok wronged? Not these dear ladies, and not me. Not me. I was this nobody. No one ever cared. No one ever called me Leo before. Your Honor, I know it isn't a big legal point, but even when I was in kindergarten, everybody always called me Bloom. I guess what I'm trying to say is that even when I was in Rio and had everything I'd ever dreamed of, I suddenly realized that this man, this man, and they start singing till him. No one ever made me feel like someone till him. Life was really nothing but a glum one till him. My existence bordered on the tragic, always timid, never took a chance. Then I felt his magic, and my heart began to dance. I was always frightened, fraught with worry, till him. I was going nowhere in a hurry, till him. He filled up my empty life, filled it to the brim. There could never, ever be another one like him. And then we get a little break, where Max is like, I, Leo, I, 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 I never no realized, yeah. you're such a good singer. Yeah. Well, thank thank you, Max. I, I sing it for, for you. you. I sing it because I'm your friend. And then we get, you know, Max is saying, he's like, gee, I've had a lot of friendships, but you, or I've had a lot of relationships, but you couldn't call any of them friend. But come to think of it, and, and now Max now Max begins to sing, no one ever really knew me till him. Everyone was always out to screw me till him. Never man, never met a man I ever trusted. Always dealt with shysters in the past. Now I'm well adjusted because I've got a friend at last. And I As care. It's happening. The old women are doing. They're like, what? <laughs> like it's well, so much yeah, that. And he's like, don't help me. We get that, but also at a certain point in this song, yeah. there's like we get like this one note that holds for so fucking long, and it's because Max is up and like walking around the courtroom as he's singing this, and he gets over to a door that goes to the outside, and he out. just fucking takes his shot and he walks out, and then about three seconds later, he comes walking back in with a bailiff who's holding a gun on him. Yeah, <laughs> but we get... the, the song finishes. The the song finishes with you know he filled my life up or he filled up my empty life filled it to the brim there could never ever be another one like him and the judge is like i would hate to break up this beautiful friendship so i, I won't. won't both of you get five years in sing sing <laughs> and, and and we go to and gotta sing sing which is a reference gotta sing sing which is a musical reference to singing in the rain yep um and and you have like they and they're now making prisoners of love with franz liebkin making the making this yep the, Max, the musical yeah. <laughs> and Leo and Max directing and producing, mm-hmm. and they are once again up to their old tricks. They are selling more of the play yes. than is available. How they get away with this, I don't I, know. In the movie, doesn't explain it. We get, but I have faith in in Leo and Max. Yes, but for the we get for the briefest of moments, Michael McKeon. Michael as, McKeon rushes in to tell them that they've been the, the the governor has granted them a full pardon. Uh, for, quote, for having through song and dance brought joy and laughter into the hearts of every murderer, rapist, and sex maniac in Sing Sing. And so they're taking the show to Broadway. And we where... get, like, in the crowd, we see the prisoners get to <laughs> the come prisoners. watch. The prisoners but, are watching. But once again... But the, but the Broadway musical, like, starring Ula and Roger, and Roger Debris. Debris. And, um, and then we get, it transitions to outside, and 
Max now gives Max now gives Leo his uh, his own producer hat, and they put on the hat and the produ- you know, you've got no show without the producers, and they shake hands, and Leo and Max up off our backs, back on the Great White Way. Mm-hmm. And we begin to see, like, a montage of what shows they produce. Of Bialystok and Bloom present. And then we get, it just flashes in lights, like, titles that of theirs. We get a streetcar named Murray. She Stoops to Conquer. High Button Jews. South Passaic, which that one cracks me up the most. South Passaic. Then we get Cats, K-A-T-Z. Mame, M-A-I-M. And then Death of a Salesman on, on Ice. ice. <laughs> Which just must be a, that must be a thing for Mel Brooks. Because at the end of uh, History of the World Part Part 1, it's like, stay tuned for Part 2, where you see Hitler on Ice. Oh, yes. <laughs> so it must just be like a Mel Brooks thing, which I think well, is great. Well, I mean, like, I mean, we did have a point in time where, like, everything, everything was on ice. Everything yeah, was on ice, yeah. And and so then it goes into the the credits. <laughs> and, you know, we get, we get, a, we get. Nothing like a show on Broadway. Nothing like a show on Broadway, yeah. Which is a, another great song. And then there's an after credit scene. Yes. Um, which is them singing Goodbye. This is the, Goodbye, this is the end, essentially. Yeah. Which is where we get our Mel Brooks cameo. Yes. Uh, at the very end, he's it's like, get out. No, really, it's over. Go away. Why are you still here? Yeah. And, and that's the end. But And then during the actual credits, you also you get, get a slowed slow down, down ballad version of Guten Tag, Plop. That ends with like with Will Ferrell just like riffing on like make sure you like buy Mein Kampf on Amazon.com. Like, yeah, he's like you you can then make sure you purchase a copy of Mein Kampf at Borders, your local Barnes and Noble, or on Amazon.com. Borders is gone now. Oh yeah, but but yeah, just it it <laughs> makes me laugh so hard that that is that is how they choose to oh, end yeah. it is giving us those two hysterical songs even in yes. the credits. Like it's so good. It's, oh my god, it's I. I love this movie so much. It's so funny. As long as you don't approach it as serious. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, no. I'm like, if it's Mel Brooks. It should, yeah. like... It it's should... going to offend you because that's kind of how Mel... Like, it's, it's, it's meant to be offensive comedy. Like, it's, it's like, like, not offensive, offensive, it, but like Don it, Rickles. Yeah, that, it's, like... It's, like, it's Mel Brooks. Like, yeah. it's meant to be, like, it's meant to be satirical. Yes. And, like, and the thing about good satire is, like, it is meant to shine a light on, like, you know problematic and like dumb things in society which this does which very it, well. it absolutely does so funny um, what do you rate it oh man i gotta give it a five out of five oh, it's one of my fucking lutely five out of, of five it's one of my absolute favorite <laughs> comedies it's my second favorite mel brooks comedy mm-hmm. i mean my first is, is like you men in tights but, yeah but yeah it's just yeah for me it's it's men in tights the producers and then young frankenstein see mine I, mine may be history I'm trying to think. Yeah, like I, I just love so many. Of I his know, things. like theoretically, I'm like Blazing Saddles should be on the list. I just haven't seen Blazing Saddles since I was like like a teenager. And I, so, Blazing Saddles is great. I it, like a like, lot of things. Blazing in Saddles it. is amazing. Yeah, I think, but I didn't see it like until after I'd seen all of his other stuff. Yeah. So I was like, I'm like, okay, this is good. Yeah, I see why. I see where it all comes from. I really like it. It does have a lot of really interesting like. Like it, oh, it, it I, makes some statements. Yes, it that, absolutely does. That are amazing. It absolutely does. And, and, and yeah, the fact that he couldn't get Richard Pryor to play the lead because they were too afraid of Richard Pryor <laughs> playing the lead, which might be an understandable thing for for, for people at that time. Yeah, uh, for but a, yeah, for a, it yeah. like I just the producer. It's so good. Like, this is so fun. Like yeah. I think like even if like this hadn't been such like a touchstone 
of like our friend group for so long. It's still hysterical. Well, I mean, like literally I still use like tidy oop. Like I use it all the goddamn yeah. time. Like there are just things from this that that are still like part of my life, even if like I forget, like, oh yeah, that's where it came from. Yeah. It's just it's so good. It is so hilarious. And I mean, like, if you because you and I both owned a copy and that's yeah. why we we did this. Yeah. So we don't well, know. I don't know where it's streaming. I don't I don't know I where it's does. streaming, but man, I'm like, you it's know, so good. Spent spend four dollars and like rent it on Prime if you need to. So funny. It's, it's so fucking funny. But Wait, oh. um, do you have anything else to add, darling? No, that'll get it for All me. right. That will get it for this episode of Couch Buddies. As always, we thank you so very much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Couch Buddies, why not leave us a rating and review over on iTunes? And while you're at it, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us by searching on social media. We're Couch Buddies Pod on Twitter, on Tumblr at couchbuddies.tumblr.com, and you can email us at couchbuddiespod at gmail.com.